What's up, y'all? This is J. Cole, Cole fucking World, and this is a Loudspeakers production. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the Combat Jack Show.com. This is a special episode, Internets. And originally it wasn't supposed to be, but as always, this episode is sponsored by Bevel. When I heard that J. Cole was coming on the Combat Jack Show, oh. I hit up the homie Tristan Walker, CEO of Bevel. Mm. And it's only right that Bevel sponsored this episode. But this, this is something a little different, man. This is something for you loyal listeners or for you quick listeners. Listen. The first 150 listeners what? who go to getbevel.com off this show will get their first month free. Not just the supplies, everything mm. free. Go to getbevel.com, punch in free combat, F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B-A-T to get your first month of Bevel free and shave like a king. Cheer. Stop fucking around. Wow. Internet's. We got J. Cole. I need that check. And we got J. Cole. <laughs> we got, that's what Rick Ross said. I need that, that devil what, check that's, right that, there. That's what Rick Ross Word said. But we, we, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that. You got to reintroduce Cole, man. Oh, my, no, my, no, my, no, my, no. My, it's, my. it's J. Cole. No, no, no. It's J. Cole. Album of the year. Wow. 2014, yes, Forest Hill Drives. Ooh. Album of the year. Listen. Yeah, yes, sir. I'm so mad because at the end of last year, I was part of a roundtable. Mm. Uh, Al Lindstrom Complex mm. roundtable. It was me, Charlemagne. Um, Jeff Sledge, Jeff Sledge, Jason Rodriguez, Jason Rodriguez, Joe LaPuma, Jay LaPuma. That's it. No, and, and B dot, B dot from Radar. And, yeah. and we were talking about all these albums and all these artists and MVP and come yeah. up with this and that. And we made our choice. And then your fucking <clears throat> album drops two weeks later. You never know, man. Don't jump the gun. Mm-hmm. Two weeks, but it was the end of the. It was the end of the year. Nah, you're right. You're right. They so, should have edited. So, so mm-hmm. I, I, I call like I call. Al Lynch, I say, we got to do something. It's like, yo, it's, <laughs> it's already been edited. It's probably your J. Cole, man. Welcome to the Combat Thank Jack you, man. Show. Cheer. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's all good, man. I'm used to not really making those lists, man. So it's, it's cool. You're used to it? Yeah, You're making yeah, your yeah. own rules. Don't yeah, worry yeah, about man. that it's shit. cool. I'll take your word for it. Thank you, No, man. please take my word for Thank it, man. I appreciate that. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling incredible, dog. I'm feeling amazing. Like, blessed, relaxed, you know what I mean? Happy. It's cool. A, a lot of things are happening for you, man. Yeah, for sure. Now, I'm I'm looking on the landscape, and I, I'm doing a lot of research for this interview, and I noticed, man, you didn't do, up until this point, a lot of press for this album. No, I didn't, and I don't, I struggle with it, because it's like, I don't know what, everything that I'm going to do. Like, basically, I want to keep it limited, but I don't want the album to die out how my other albums did. I kind of gave up on them quick in terms of promotion, because I put so much into them. And then we had a single worker for months, and by the time the album comes out, it's like, all right, we shoot another video, and then I'm on to the next one. On this one, I want to give it its proper, it deserves it. I want to give it its proper thing. But I also want to balance not being too overexposed. And like, you know, I don't want to, I don't feel, uh, I don't feel, I never felt like the guy that's like, if they ain't talking about me, I ain't relevant. Right. Let me go do an interview so they talk about me, or let me put out a song. So I'm trying to balance promoting the album with not over doing it still keeping a you know some sort of like balance balance right. and not overdoing it basically but is it possible in this day and age to be oversaturated in terms of promoting somebody's album or somebody's work cuz we live in such an information age that even if you're not trying to be in the spotlight you're going to be in the spotlight spotlight anyway so you, know you might it, as well do it yourself nah you're right i guess another thing is man i did so much like people 
when the warm-up dropped, that was 2009, June. I was doing interviews from June, July about my first album. I mean, every month, every week, it was a new interview, wrap up, double XL, the source, boom, boom, talking about my first album. I'm talking about every day it was a new video interview up. Right. I was tired of seeing them. Like, yo, my man, like, <laughs> y'all tell me we got to do another video interview and the label, you know, it's like, yeah, we got this, trust me, it's good. So I did, my album didn't drop till two years later. So imagine I was talking about my first album for like two years. So yeah. that plus two years after, I've done a ton of interviews. So I'm almost burnt out. Burnt out. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, but I, I, I have reached a point in my life where it's like, I'm cool. I'm, I'm much more of an open person now. So interviews are more fun. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I, I'm still weary. Like, yo, I don't ever want to go back to that place where it's like mad interview. Right. It's like, yeah, come on, man. It's like, you know, leave something, something to the imagination. Right. Well, we're honored, man, that, that you decided. I had to do this, by the way. We've been talking about this for a long time. Exactly, man. I want people to know because I'm, I'm sure... Y'all got a great base, and y'all do great work. Thank you. But I'm sure some people that's listening to this now, because they're like, oh, Cole on there? You know, it's like some younger kids right. that might not ever peep this. I want to let everybody know, like, this is a night. This is a, not even nice. This is an amazing foundation, the thing you're listening to right now. The work y'all do in, the, in terms of history and respect and, like, bringing these stories to the forefront that, like, my generation needs to hear, the generation under me needs to hear, y'all generation of needs course. to hear. It's like this. So I want people to know I've been I've been listening to your program for a minute. My man Felton put me on. I've been listening for a while. And I want people that follow me, if you if you don't already know, I want them to do the same thing. Cause y'all do amazing work. You know uh, I mean? Thank you, man. Yeah. Cheer. Thank you. Now, your mom's inspired you to grow your hair. I heard your your mom's inspired <laughs> you to grow your hair. Let's talk about Not that. Not particularly man. like right. she didn't tell me to do it. I'm I, when I was younger, she would always want me to be that kid. Like the artsy kid with his hair out, so it's not like she told me early in the year, like "Yo, grow your hair right, out." Right, but indirectly she influenced. Indirectly, right. her wish came true because I reached a point in my life where I'm like, I couldn't. Have, my hair is a mess, bro. Like I'm, I'm aware, but I love it. And people tell me a lot, like "Yo, you're looking rough. Like what you doing with that?" <laughs> and I get it, but I'm also at that point in my life where I wasn't at four years ago, three years ago, where it's like I don't give a fuck, like. I'm very confident walking out the crib with my shit looking crazy. Well, when you oh, got the album of the year, you really... Yeah. Nah, it was before that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, before that, oh, okay. but that helps too. Right. Like, the mind state that allowed me to make that album is the same mind state that allows me to walk around with my hair mm. looking fucked up in society standards. You know what I mean? What, what's that mind state, man? I'm just blessed and, and, and nothing can go wrong. There is no right or wrong. Like, that's the song I got called Apparently, but it's it's like... Everything is is supposed to happen the way it happens, and it's like I, I have no, uh, I'm wasting time by stressing over shit, especially when I'm so blessed and I got all these blessings around me. You know what I mean? That's the mind state. It's like, yo, this shit don't matter. My hair ain't cut. It don't fucking matter. That's not real. That's not reality. That my I gotta have the clean Caesar with the shape up and the edge up, and it gotta keep this fresh so I look presentable. It's like, nah, that actually doesn't matter. That's, you know, it's like my happiness is the only thing that matters. Do I feel good? Do I feel comfortable? I've been wearing this outfit three fucking days. Does it feel hey. comfortable? Cool. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he, he don't smell. Nah, he doesn't nah, smell. I mean, it might be. A, no, I'm playing. But that's the that's my really my mind state. Right. It's like, yo, I'm, I'm rocking with these kicks. I'm rocking with these pants. Like, I like this. I'm gonna just thug this out for like so, three, four days. So you're in a comfortable state of I'm mind. In a comfortable place, man. You're in a in a comfortable state of being. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's funny, man. You, you know, I was. I, and listening to your interviews, one of one of the things that that jumps out is you keep talking about appreciation. Yeah, you keep talking about appreciation, and 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 is one of my friends, 
very successful business dude. He came from nothing to everything. But he's very centered. And, and I ask him, man, I'm like, you know, how did you get this? And he's like, every day, appreciation. Talk about how you came to this point in your journey, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to make it seem like I'm no type of guru because right. it's a battle every day. Right. When you grow up. But that's what it's supposed to be. For sure. When you grow up with a certain mentality that's taught to you by family, society, the television, anything that we come into contact with, you develop a habit and you develop just a state of being. And, and once you live life and realize that that might not have been the way or there's a better way to get you newer results and to feel better, it's one thing to like come to that realization and it's another thing to put it in practice. The putting it in practice is the hard part. That's that's the hard that's part. That's the hard part. So where I'm at right now is still trying to put it in practice. I got good days. I got bad days. I got days where I forget. But right. but the thing that I learned or one of the things that I learned is that appreciation is everything. It's like life can be life could be both beautiful and ugly depending on how you look at it. You know what I mean? It could be mm. both hard and Heaven and Bless. hell. Heaven, Heaven and hell, hell is right, 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 right here. It's all within us. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like the devil is in us. Yes. And you know, God is in us. Like all of these things are within us. It's just what we choose to, how we choose to view it. It's the decisions we make. It's the things we decide to do. But I I, I realized that, okay, by, this, by deciding to appreciate what I got and the relationships that I do have and, put, and putting value on these things, my life gets way more enjoyable and way more I'm way more content with things that I should be content with. And I'm not stressing about things that absolutely shouldn't be stressing me. You know what I mean? And, mm. and what I hear also is when you're really at this high state of appreciation, not only do you need less, but the universe responds and gives you more. Do, do you find that? Oh, uh, for sure. I, I believe that 100% with my heart. Like when the minute you stop holding on to that attachment, that's what really gets us is the attachment. Attachment. Attachment to things and to wants and desires that's what gets us that's what really holds us that's where all suffering really comes from whether it's a relationship why do you have suffering because of this relationship because you had an expectation an attachment to an idea of how you wanted this thing to go instead of just like yo i love this person i love and appreciate the time we have right now in this moment no you put because we're taught to put expectations on this relationship i now because this is going good for two weeks two months two years i now expect that you're going to ask me to marry you and i now expect that you're going to be a faithful husband i now expect that we so you have all of these expectations in your mind so the minute something goes wrong and you don't get that it's pain it's oh ah no it's tears it's hate it's bitterness because what you expected didn't come to fruition but but that was your expectation that did you that wrong. Was your, your, expectation. your attachment to that expectation, which which God might not have that might not have been in the plans. That might not have been in the cards. You know what I mean? It, it's funny, man, because like on a on a smaller scale, it's like whenever we're going out with my crew or something like that, and, and they're like, "Yo, what's who's gonna be there? How's it?" I'm like, "Yo, man, I I just want to get there mm. because when I, I don't want to expect this, I just want to get there." Mm. And so the concept of of, of of appreciation of happiness, man. Are you? Do you find yourself living more moment to moment? Because that's really what a full life is about—living moment. For sure. To moment. When I'm in, when I'm at my best, right. When I feel my best, when I'm doing, when I feel like I'm the best me, best representation of me, I'm absolutely enjoying the moment, and and I'm I'm present, and I'm appreciating what's happening right now. Whoever I'm with, relationship, family, friends, uh, whatever's happening, I'm in that moment. When I'm not at my best, when I'm at my worst, I'm worried about the future mm. or worried about something I did in the past 
or worried about this, that I'm living somewhere else. You know what I mean? I'm living in, oh shit, what's this album going to do? Oh man, they're not going to let me, okay. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm somewhere else. You're I'm somewhere not, else. And while I'm somewhere else mentally, I can't possibly be right here. Right. I can't possibly be appreciating you because I'm over here. And I'm telling you because I, I went through that when I was at my brokest and before the deal and we was trying to get on, bro, I was so happy. And even though I was living in the future, I was living so hopeful in the future. Right. I had faith. It was hope and faith. It was like, yo, I know. You were appreciating that journey. I was appreciating the journey because right. I was sure of what was to come. And then somewhere along the line, in the midst of all the pressure and, the, and, the, and boom, boom, boom. You got that, the attachments. The attachments to expect. Oh, no, but I wanted to go like this. Right. Oh, no. And that led to like frustration oh but what if but what if or what if i ain't really what they said oh man what if i ain't well you know what and, I mean? and nine out of ten you you're creating oh the worst scenario you're just spinning it into a cycle that that's going to be very hard to break out of you know right. what I mean? you're renting space in your head that don't even need to be there for sure but i'm telling you even when you say you appreciate the journey it's so important for people especially like you making things and creating things to admire that journey because some people work so hard and it passes them up mm. but i also believe that as you're getting older you know, that you, you you turn out to appreciate the little things in life as you get older, as you didn't when you were younger. Sure. You know, do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. I told, um, it was Steve Stout, actually. We went to, uh, he invited me to this, it was like Serena Williams U.S. Open or something, and I went. And I usually don't even do things like that, like the business meetings, and it wasn't really a business Did he give meeting, you the scarf like, hands or it gave you a hands? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. What scarf mean? hands? Like when somebody shake your hands and it's like, scarf, it's like silk. Yeah, it's yeah like, I know, yeah. I get it, but wow, is that something he does? Is I mean, I've, I've gotten some. Yo, you got it? Okay, yeah. nah, nah, it wasn't that. Okay. But I, I told him basically, like he was asking me some questions and I was just letting him know like, yo, I would've answered you differently two years ago. Right. He was like, where are you, who are you in this game? Like, I see it, like, Drake is like this. Kendrick is like this. And it's like, I'm trying to place you. Who are you? And I'm like, you know what? Two years ago, I would have answered that question. You would have tried to try to figure it out. It would have been a stupid end, but it would have been like, because I would have been thinking about that. Like, I'm really like this. I'm like a hybrid of this and this and this, mm. and, you know? And I had to tell him when he asked me, that. I was like, oh shit. You know what? Like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, I don't really know the answer <laughs> to that question and I don't really care to like answer it. Like, it's not, it's not important to me no more. That is not important to me, no. So a few more questions like that came around, and his point was, he was like, how old are you? I'm 29. He was like, that's why. And he gave me the story about when he was 29 and he was at maybe Interscope or somewhere that he was at, he had to make a real big decision. And he made a crazy decision. People looked at him crazy. And he, right. just, he just came to know himself better when 30 hit. And he made a wild decision that everybody else in the industry looked at him like, yo, you're bugging. You were running black music. You know what I mean? You were like up there. And he was just like, yo, it's 30. He was, and you know, he was, he was like, I always say that's the age where you start to understand. And I felt him. Oh, and, and, and you also decided like, like when I decided to walk Thank away you. from the music industry, cats thought I was crazy. Mm. But I just had to let go of everything. How old were you? I was 40. Wow. Did you know he was a lawyer? I did. I, yeah. I don't know a lot about the history, but I, I knew that part. Nah, I mean, one, one of my first clients was Jay and, 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 right. and Rockefeller and Dame, and, and we did everything with, with, with Diddy and, and the whole now. But it got to a point where it's like, yo, I'm not happy. Mm. I, the money's good. What was saying? it? What was, what was not happy about it? Like, what was. You know, it was um, the hustle mm. was work. You know what I'm saying? The hustle mm -hmm. was work. And. 
But is not any hustle what, work? No, no, listen, but what we're doing right now, I'm hustling harder and it's not work. And you love it. It's not work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, but you know what's effortless. important? No, but you know what's it's important? It's not easy. I'm just, hold up, P. It's yeah. not easy, but it's effortless, P. You, you know what I mean? I feel you 100%. But it's also <laughs> for yourself. That's the thing, too. I think, like, I'm not saying, like, you know, when you were a lawyer, you were also doing other things, but you had other people involved. Like, no, yeah, that, this, that, this that, is a little bit more like you're really working for yourself. You and that, I mean? and what, what Cole said, like, well, like, mm-hmm. like, Stop was saying, who are you? Where do you fit? We were those lawyers. We were that lawyer. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was that lawyer. Right. And after a while, it's like, yo, that's not who I am. Right. That's not who I want to be. And I, I felt confined in that box. Mm. You know what I mean? That's real. Yeah. That's a big move. And, and now, I mean, it's like, I think I'm so much more effective where I'm at. I'm not making as much money as I make, <laughs> but I'm happier, B. You know what I'm saying? And, and people can't understand that unless they go through that. You can't put a price on that. Nah, can't, can't put, put a price, price on, on happiness. Because that's years of your life, by yeah. the way. That should have taken years from you. Yeah. So who just told me that my man Elijah just sent me a quote from the Dalai Lama? Was it the Dalai? I hope I'm not saying it wrong. And they asked him, what is, they said, what is your, I want to pull this shit up on my phone right now, but I'll try to not butcher it. They asked him, I believe it was the Dalai Lama. They said, what is your biggest question about life like what is the biggest confusion you have about life or or or, or humanity right. and he said man he said man uh man sacrifices their health to attain money just to then sacrifice money to get back their health right <laughs> and then there was a crazy part oh my god it ended so ill and i'm gonna fuck it up but it basically ended with him saying, everybody got to look up the quote because I'm going to butcher it. But it ended with him saying, like, all of this fucking maze they go through just to find out when they die, they never really lived at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, to your point, it's like, you could have stayed at that job, made way more money. I wouldn't be living. You wouldn't be living. Exactly. You wouldn't be living. You would have missed it all. Yeah. You're living right now because you love it. Of course, you, man. In the of moment. Course, of it's course. amazing. L- listen, let's go back to your past, man. Like, what, you, you're the first black person I heard. Say they they lived in a trailer park. <laughs> I didn't know. Was this was it the hood trailer park, man? Yeah, it, it, it was the, a hood trailer park in the south, in the south, especially in North Carolina. Right. It's, it's like this. I can't speak for like Atlanta. I'm not from there, but right. in North Carolina is like this. That's the that's the that was my first glimpse of the hood. This right. is not Eminem Eight Mile. You know, like it was it was grimy. Yeah, thing? man, this shit was fucked <laughs> up. Man, this shit was fucked. I mean, not no disrespect to right. like people that are still in the trailers and shit, but that's what it is. It's like you know, very affordable. Housing. housing, right? Very affordable, which is housing. essential, and and you can't laugh at, at people, no, no, the no. state of people's I'm housing. Not laugh. I'm talking about the neighborhood we lived in. It was fucked up. It was like fucked like up. what was going. I mean, you were no, you were I was a, a kid. Yeah, you were a kid. kid. But it's the shit, the reason why it, it has such a big effect on me is because I was coming from somewhere else. Right. I was coming from a military base. My father was in the army. My mother was too. She got out when she had me. You were born in Frankfurt. Born in Germany. Okay. But before I was one, we moved back okay. to Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, right. is where we lived. My f- parents separated before I was even conscious. Like, they were never together while I was uh, really alive. Like, after we moved back, they were separated. When they got divorced, we had to move out of the, the not the barracks, the military quarters. Right. Because you can only live there. If you're married. Which is, which if you're married. And that's real nice housing. That's like a nice neighborhood. It ain't no mansions, but safe, it's like. It's safe. It's safe. Talk about Everybody safe. got jobs. Everybody got benefits because they all in the army. So when I'm four years old. We have to move. And it's me, my brother, and my mother. And we moved to Spring Lake, which is like this, you know, little outskirt area of 
Fayetteville, whatever. We moved to the trailer park at Spring Lake. It was my first taste of like, oh shit, like this is nothing like where we came from. You and know what and I mean? at four years old, man, like what do you know? But you knew the energy. Was- I knew the energy was not right. And I knew that my mother was the only white lady in the neighborhood and there was no man in the house. And I was like, I could send, yo, the first time I went to the, uh, to the, just to tell you the mind state of these kids, because they've been there, if they, were, if they were five and I was five, they've been there five years and I've been there a year. Mm. So the mind state, when I got there, when we first went to the playground, me and my brother, I mean, it seems like a silly story, but it's really potent to tell you the mind state of these kids, especially at that time, this was 1990. Um, we, we go to the playground. My brother go off to like where the older kids his age was at. I go to where my kids was at. It was over by the slide. And I get to the slide. And it's like a group of like six little boys or whatever my age, like four or five. And I'm trying to get up and go to the slide. I'm just trying to really scope the scene. And they're like, yo, man, <laughs> yo, man, you trying to join our gang? <laughs> and I was like, what I got to do? They're they like, wouldn't let you on the slide. You got to jump off the slide first. To, mm. Then you could be a part of you the gotta gang. gang. You got to join the gang. You got to join the gang. Slide privileges. Right, of course. Slide. Just to tell you the mind state, I'm like, yo, I ain't have to do this over there, man. I'm a jump. <laughs> right. Because I ain't no punk. Right. But I ain't, I ain't never had to go through this. So that was my first taste of like, not just that, but like that's the first time anybody ever tried to break in the crib. First time I'm hearing gunshots at night. We ain't have to deal with that shit over in the other neighborhood. And you can sense the stress. You can see the stress on your moms. Nah. Okay. Not at that point. I couldn't. I was oblivious to that. Right, but but you but felt the stress. I felt it for her. Right. I felt like I was more aware of the danger than her. At mm. four or five years old, I thought that she didn't know, and I thought that I had to be the person to like protect the house. I used to stand outside the house with the nunchucks. Mm. Like the, I had these little Ninja Turtle nunchucks. Bruce Lee shit. I had these Ninja Turtle uh, nunchucks, but to me, when all the older dudes would walk by, they like 16, 17. In reality, they just minding their business. Right. In my mind, y'all niggas is looking at my crib. Y- y'all are threats. Y'all are threats. Right. So I'm standing outside. The Crib like with nunchucks. You nice? And I'm ice. I mean, in my mind, in, your mind, in my mind, I'm really one of the ninja the turtles. Hell? I'm really one of the ninja right. turtles in my mind. But I'm staring at them no, and ice grilling anybody that walks by, basically saying like, "Don't think about coming in this fuck house because I got these." You know what I mean? So my point is to say my mentality, even at five, was like, my mom is oblivious of what this really is, right. but I know, and I know we we really in trouble. You know what I mean? So that was like my first taste of like what the world was really like yeah you ever speak to your um biological for sure we got a good, a good, relationship. good relationship yeah, yeah for sure um it's funny man like this 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 album right now in in an indirect sense your stepfather caused this album to happen yeah he did <laughs> let's talk about that man yeah uh my stepfather he came in on the scene um when i was maybe in like fourth grade right pretty early in my life Maybe third grade, like pretty early. He was my mom's boyfriend, another dude in the army, um, and we hated him. You know, it was like you and anybody, your brother. yeah, me and my brother, we hated him because he was, you know, I mean, he was cool. That's the thing. We hated him, but he was cool as shit. Be- Why'd you hate him? Because he was, uh, I mean, he used to like, he was stiff. He was like uh, uh, a jerk, and he was like tough, tough on us. You right. know what I mean? Like that, he was the disciplinarian. He was like, we was getting the whoopings from him. Right. Go get your switch. You know what I mean? This is like. That he was beating us with the switch. It wasn't nothing. I mean, in my eyes, we grew up in that era, right. so it wasn't crazy. Now that I'm older, I'm like, damn, this man is not my father. Why are he putting his hands on me? Exactly. But at the time, it didn't feel like that. It just right. felt like the man of the house, like disciplined kids or whatever. So that's why we didn't like him. But at the same time, there was an underlying like and respect for him because he was cool as shit. He was older. He was not older and like an old man, but he was like, you know, in his twenties. He knew. Or he or had all the Ice Cube albums, okay. Pac albums. Okay. 
Ice-T, he had N.W., he had Drake, Chronic, Crazy, Snoop. He had all the rap shit. He had system in his car. He always kept like a nice vehicle. He had like a 57 Chevy. Then he'll switch it up for the Nissan truck. Always keep a system. He had pit bulls. He, that's how we got on pit bulls. And my whole life we had pits was because of him. Where's so he from, man? He's from uh, Louisiana, small town Louisiana. But then he moved up with his pops in like Pontiac, Detroit, Michigan, okay. which is hood. You know, it's yeah. super hood. So it's like... You that's, know, a, that's a different breed of, of of black man. Different breed. Yeah. Some player shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But but from a southern, he's southern at heart, country nigga, with who went and got like some some hustle from up north or whatever. Right, right. And then went and did the you know the smart thing in military, yeah, got a stable job or whatever. So there was like an underlining, like, Ma, don't marry this fucking dude. But it was also <laughs> like he's cool as fuck at the right. same time, you know what I mean? So but uh fast forward, him and my mom got married. Their combined incomes allowed us to to move to a much better neighborhood than even where we was at, um, and we moved into Forest Hills Drive, which was like, you know, that shit was a mansion to me compared to where we was I coming from. I see the pictures. I mean, did it always look like that? Yeah, I mean, and the inside wasn't this nice, but the outside was always like, you know, a very nice sight. Nice right. Grad green grass, you know, trees. There was actually more trees back then. Nice driveway. There's a carport. We had room in the back for the dogs. We the only black people in the neighborhood. Oh, like my neighbors was literally like this. 80-year-old white lady across the street was two sisters. They was both like 80-year-old white ladies. To the left was like 70-year-old white couple. How, how that, how'd that feel, man? Oh, I knew we was out. I knew we wasn't supposed to be there. Right. <laughs> like, but did, but did, did you take it like, yo, I'm, I'm here, motherfuckers? Uh, nah, it wasn't that attitude. It was more like, yo, we came, we came up. We came up. Like, I ain't trying, you know, I don't know at any moment this could be gone. Right. I know we came up. Right. You know what I mean? I know that... They've reached. So it's a, it's appreciation. It's, it's appreciation, appreci- right. absolutely. Because right. I got my own room. Me and my mm-hmm. brother was sharing rooms before that. <laughs> I got my own room. We got an upstairs down. It's, it's like amazing feeling, man, to be in that place. You know what I mean? Uh, so so basically, um, that was like my my middle school and high school days was spent in that house. But my the senior year of high school, right when I was about to graduate, this guy tells my mom he got put on assignment to go to Thailand. He tells us, you know, in the army, it's like sometimes it's random. Right. Sometimes they just tell you you're going somewhere. You get somewhere. assigned and you, you get assigned. Right. So he told her, you know, that he got assigned. At this point, their relationship was falling apart. Now that I look back, I see all the moments that was, you know, telling me. But um, but he tells her he got put on assignment. In actuality, he put himself on assignment to get the fuck out the house. Right. And he told her it was for one year. In reality, come to find out later, it was two years. Right. So basically, he he pulled that maneuver to, like, get out of the relationship. That was his way out. Right. I mean, I guess he ain't had a heart to really just end it off. He had to do it, like, in a slick way, which is whatever. Every man got to make his own decisions. Right. Um, but the agreement was with him and my mom that he would make the mortgage payments while he was gone because when you overseas in the Army and you're married and you got kids or whatever, a family, you get something called separation pay. So the Army will give you an extra $1,000, $1,500 per check or per month because they taking you from your family. And you got to cover it for your, for your family. Yeah, it's way, like, right? yo, it's like, yo, we taking you from your family. Here's extra. The army will do that for you. So the agreement was between him and my mom, yo, you getting this extra check. This is, you know, parents, uh, uh, two adults, they they split the bills up. So you make the mortgage payments. I got this, that, and the third. Right. He goes away and I go to college at the end of the summer. Through the Wire is the soundtrack for that summer, by the way. That was like 03. He had just mm-hmm. dropped that video. I just remember that because I used to watch that video a lot every day. I go away to college. About a month into college, I get a call from my mom and she tells me, hey, I just, 
you know, she's distraught. It's, you know, she, I could tell she only want to tell me because she don't want to bother me. Like she don't want to feel like she's putting stress yeah, on her son as a college. Yeah. And she's like, you know, just to let you know, I got a notice in the mail that the the mortgage payment has been made in like three months. It's thirty two hundred dollars. I don't got that type of money. Um, no, it was four months. Four 30, months. $3,200, I can't make it. I don't know what to do. So she just, you know, so she got the news right there that A, the mortgage payments haven't been made, and B, she knows that her relationship is over right. in that moment. You know what I mean? Right. Like she re- understands Damn, so she that she got, got blindsided. Played. She got blindsided. blindsided. Yeah, she got blindsided like that. So it's the ultimate realization of both of those things. One, I'm losing this house because I ain't got that type of money to pay this. And two, this relationship is this dead. Relationship it just is died. Dead. Right. Yeah, it just died. So, Ultimately, that's how that, that house ended up getting foreclosed, like, you know, a month or two after that. And she just packed up everything and moved out the house and got her own little apartment. And so that's how we ended up back here in the year 2014. Right, and right. I bought back the house. When, what, what year did you buy the house? This year. This, this year. Summer. Now, yeah. who'd you buy it from? Who was, was somebody? I don't even was, know who owned it. I, I don't know who. I never met the person. I right. had my homeboy who does real estate down there, like, handle it for me. All I knew was, because I've been looking into buying it for a while, A, my money wasn't really at the level the way I could just buy it like that. And B, um, it was always somebody in it. Right. It was always somebody but in it. But that was the house that you fell in love with. For sure. That was the best time of your Ooh. of your childhood. Definitely. Yeah, Lewis Street was amazing too. But this was when I be- I grew into my own as like what I wanted to be- what I wanted to really dream about and like become was in that house. I you fell started in love rapping with- in that house? I fell in love with the art of rapping in that house. It really started producing started in that house. producing in that house. I fell in love with all of these things in that house. Wet dreams in that house. Wet dreams in that house. Not Smash. in the house. But, but, but the, that was you, the time. You thinking about the wet. You word up. Yeah, <laughs> wet dreams in the right, house. Right. Yeah, right, right. Some pornos in the house. Pornos all over the house. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, easy. Was, let's not go there. Okay, <laughs> let's not go there. And, 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 and some of his most appreciation at the house. I'll tell you, it's funny that you were able to buy it because you said your neighbor was 70, 80. I was figuring somebody died over there. You got so many yeah, old unfortunately, people. Unfortunately, the, 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 I know the lady directly next door definitely passed, and 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 but I ain't really know her like that. The two ladies across the street, really nice ladies, and they were sisters, and I know they passed too. It's a cool family that lives there right so now. So black, another really, black family that lives over there now. Do you really live live there? Nah, nah I don't okay. live, live there. What we gonna do is we we still working it out right now because it's obviously a, a detailed situation that I don't want to play with. It's right. a fragile situation I don't want to play with. But my goal is to have that be a haven for a family. So every two years, a new family. Or come in oh, and they dope, live. Man. They live rent free. So the the idea is, it's a single mother with multiple kids, mm. and so that and she's coming from a place where all her kids are sharing a room. She might have two, three kids. They sharing a room. She gets to come here rent free. I want her kids to feel how they, how I felt when we got mm. to the house. Like right. yo, this oh, is that's a dope, man. Because yeah. I my, the I was wondering like yo, why are you. Put your address on the yeah, album yeah, yeah, nah, of the nah. year. Yeah. <laughs> people could be showing up there next month. By the way, tell people to stop going to my house and sitting on my roof and taking pictures. Uh, are they doing that? And they still in the fucking street sign. They, they're taking pictures. Yo, is there a Tumblr? That'd be a great Tumblr. Is that a Tumblr? No, it doesn't need to be a Tumblr. Yo, that would be a great Tumblr, though. Come on, man. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Wait, I mean, y'all got to stop that. I'm not encouraging nah, that. Nah, for real, because I'm going to shoot. Wait, wait, wait. So they go on top of the this, roof? But you, they, they send it to you? I've seen it. People have shown me pictures. Yo. Of people. We got a PSA that. Listen, internet, get the fuck up off of the roof. Yeah. You're going to fuck the drainage up over there. Yeah. All the fucking problems. We don't need no issues like we that. Got this guy's a first time homeowner. Come on. So, so yeah. when did it hit you that I got to do an album? December of 2013. When, okay. About almost exactly a year before the album came out. Right. 
it'd be crazy if it was a year before on the dot, which would be amazing. And it might be because I could look at the schedule and see. I was in Germany at the time. I was on tour. And, and I looked at the date, and I was just like, oh, man, I know New Year's is about to come. You know, every time New Year's approaches, you always think to yourself, like, like damn, that's crazy. It's about to be. And then year. you say the date. Oh, it's about to be 1999. Oh, it's about to be 2005. That's crazy. And I was like, yo, it's, it's crazy. It's about to be 2014. And as soon as I said it, the light bulb went off in my head. And it, I just knew that this was the time. I mean, the thought came so fast, everything. This is the year you buy the house back. That's the name of the album. This is boom, 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 boom. I knew it right away at that moment. I never made an album like this or a project like this before, by the way, which is where I, I went into it knowing the name, knowing a rough concept, and had no music, not a word, not a beat, not a nothing. You know what I mean? I never did it like that. So so in one instant, you got this I, sense of bro, realization. I remember where I was enlightenment. At. Yes. It was a light, true light bulb moment where my whole head just like expanded. Was he, was he burning something? Or? Nah, I wasn't burning shit. I was on the at the back of the bus. I think I maybe just got off the, the stage or something and was just thinking, you know, just thinking like, damn, it's about to be 2014. Ding. Boom. Oh, shit. I was like, yo, it's, this is the time. I knew it because 2014 was always my favorite number mm. based on that house. Right. You know, when you have a your your, your, your mind is 1127. Right. So when you have your your ATM. Four I was just saying, hey, 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 hey. Look, 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 I got to change my shit. shit. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. God so, damn it. So voicemail, password, all of that shit, that was mine. It's not no more so <laughs> niggas don't even think about getting in my shit. But that was my, that was my number, right? 2014. Right. So when I said it, I was like, yo, this is it. That's, it's, it's God. You know what I mean? It's too perfectly lined up. It's, it's what it's got to be. How, how much of a battle was it to get this album out in 2014? Uh, battle? Yeah. Mm, it wasn't a battle, man. It was just... It was close. It wasn't a battle, but it, it just came down to the. How it, close was it, man? Like I mean, we cut it close. There was samples that was not cleared. The samples. The samples. The samples and finishing. For me, finishing is a is a hard thing. I'm like a perfectionist tweaker. You know what I mean? So that's. A little, you a started recording it in, in March. In March or April, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In, in L. A. And and the concept is what's what's the full concept of the album? Full concept, uh, you know, the inspiration is buying back the house. Yes, but but that's what inspired the album. But the concept of the album, I wrote it as if it was a soundtrack to a movie that only exists in my head. So imagine this Lion King. It's random as fuck, but you know, if you listen to the Lion King soundtrack right now, and you've never seen the movie, you could pretty much follow what's happening in the movie from the songs. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can oh he just can't wait to be the king, this, that, third. But you can follow that movie plot through the songs. I made the album as if it was a movie that existed in my head and this was the soundtrack. Okay. And the plot of that movie is real simple to sum up. Small town kid, could be Fayetteville, could be Montgomery, could be Birmingham, could be Nashville, any place that's not New York City or LA or somewhere that's like full of opportunity or like, you know, something that we ain't used to. Right. He got dreams to be a movie star. Where do you want to go? Hollywood. You're gonna, so he moves to Hollywood when he turns 18, 19. All his homeboys back home like, damn, he went to Hollywood. This nigga's crazy. Like, Because ah. just to go is you made is, it. You made you it. Made it right. I know that because when I came to New York for college, when I went back home, niggas was like, yo, I see you in New York doing your thing. Like, you don't know what the fuck I'm doing in New York. You just, <laughs> you just know I went, you, yeah, which is a big thing when you come from a small town. So he goes to Hollywood. Um, and and wants to be an actor, wants to be a movie star. But when he gets there, he realizes, yo, this shit ain't as easy as I I'm thought. A, I'm on the bottom of the totem I'm pole. I'm at the bottom of the totem I'm a black man in Hollywood. Right. 
I can't, ain't no roles for me if it ain't the thug on Law and Order. Pimp. If it's not the pimp, if it's not the gangster, if it's not some bullshit role. This cop, the cop the, lieutenant, I mean, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. This is some bullshit. Like, it's not opportunity out here for me. And on top of that, to make it so bad, this shit don't feel right out here. Mm. This shit don't feel right. I'm looking around, this shit don't feel right. Like, this shit feel weird out here. So there's a moment in the movie where there's a, there's a, there's a point where he could either lose it, slip, and just become one of them. One of the people that live in Hollywood right now and just satisfied with their life, lost. But he catches himself and he learns, nah, this ain't real. There's something better. It's something better. This ain't real. And that something better was right where the fuck I just came like from. The mm. Like the, the Lion King. Just like the Lion King. Exactly. Just like the he was always He was always royalty. He was always, it was right there. Yeah. Young Simba, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You taking it back too. Uh, taking it back. Word up. You know it's you know it's funny when I when I when I heard the record Wet Dreams, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the title is is provocative, man, but it's such an innocent record, man. Yeah, for sure. And and what I appreciate <laughs> about it is in my 40s back, I'm like man. it took me back. Yeah. To the, my first time. Thank you know you, what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just love that it, it was magical that you could take me back to that point. like that first time she was in my math class. Long hair, brown skin with the fat ass. Sat beside me, used to laugh, had mad jokes. The teacher always got mad, so we passed notes. It started off so innocent. She had a vibe and a nigga started digging it. Uh, I was a young and straight crushing, trying to play this shit cool. But a nigga couldn't wait to get to school. Cause when I seen him thighs on her and them hips on her and them lips on her, got me daydreaming, man. What? I'm thinking how she rides on it, if she sits on it, if she licks on it, make it hard for me to stand up. As time goes by, a tracks is getting deeper. And at the same time, you know, my son just turned 18 yesterday. It took me back to like, what is he going through? And he don't really tell me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if he had his wet dream or not. <laughs> but 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 it, it put me in his life. Right. Like what is he going through? And 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 what I love about the album, man, is I think timing is everything. You talk about the timing putting it out in 2014. But when your album came out, man, it was Ferguson. Mm. It was Black Lives Matter. It was all these protests. And we don't hear music, particularly in hip hop, we don't hear music as a perfect soundtrack for what's going on. Mm. I, I think maybe because this generation hasn't really lived through turbulent times like we're living through right now. That's real. But I think your album, and I, and I tweeted this several times, man, I thought your album was the perfect soundtrack for everything that happened in 2014, man. Thank you, man. That That's major compliment. I appreciate that. And it obviously I couldn't predict when I started working in March what would happen yeah, you couldn't predict you know, none of that. Can't, you can't predict that, but I do believe in God, and I believe that things line up how they're supposed to. You know what I mean? And I, I believe that my small role was was meant to be. You know what I mean? Like that was meant to happen. And then not that it's over, because I'm, I, you know, I want to be a vessel for a lot of creativity and a lot of like change and like a lot of inspiration. You know, but but I feel like that was meant to be. Like you can't line that up any more perfect. Right. And, and and going back to that record, man, I thought it was intragenerational, man. It's like it crossed generations. I'm saying so, like, I, I, you know, I could appreciate it. I could see why younger kids would because it's really for them. You know what I'm saying? Word. You say that you don't want to be the singular voice of your generation, but I think this album kind of, at this point, you know, here in, in, in January 2015, the spotlight is on you for, for being that voice of the generation. How do you feel about that, man? I, I, you know what? I'll take it until... 
it's not necessary. I can't run from that. I had a meeting in L.A. with like some business shit. And the lady I was meeting with, you know, a white lady, great, great woman. She was just like, how do you feel? You're the voice of boom. I was just like, Yo. oh, you got tapped. I got tapped. You got officially mm. tapped. I'm like, by white to by be the <laughs> right. Like when you <laughs> right. I was like, yo, it's you know, but but I'm I'm learning that. Okay, if you say that, I feel like I'm equipped. I'm I'm the most equipped right now in this position. And if if people need me to be that and be a voice, I do my best. Right. You know what I mean? I'm willing and I'm. I think I'm able to do that. And I'll be wrong sometimes and I'll talk out of my ass sometimes and like and misstep. Why? Because I I didn't train for this. Right. You know what I mean? This is not I'm a rapper. I'm you know, I've spent my whole life dreaming about being the best rapper. But for the time being, I feel like I'm well equipped to say some shit because I think about this shit all the time. You know what I mean? And if you agree and if it connects with you and it resonates, amazing. If not, let's pray we got a lot coming up. You know what I mean? We got them. We got the Michelle Alexanders of the world. Yes. You know what I mean? And who who wrote the new Jim uh, Crow? The new Jim Crow. We, we let's hope there's a ton of her out there to come and lead us. And you know, and be like even clearer voices. Cause I don't got. The, I'm learning. I'm trying to learn. We, every we, day. we don't have the answers. Word up. Sway. We none none of us. Answers, none sway. of us have the answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's a good book that um, uh, Raymond Santana from the Central Park Five. Um, suggested to me. What was it? It was called um, uh, A People's History of the United States by Howard oh, Zinn. Oh, I just bought that on my phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. Did you start reading it? Yeah, I did. I only made it maybe through a little bit of the first chapter, but the reason why I really fuck with it is because I just started reading this other book before I'm like in between a few books. Right. But I started reading this book uh, called uh, A Brief History or A Brief Account of the Destruction of the Indies. Mm-hmm. And it's written by this dude in the 1400s, um, and basically, he's a he's a priest from Spain who went to the Caribbean, and this is right after Christopher, Christopher Columbus dumbass thought that he discovered when he Columbus America when, when he Columbus America, but he really <laughs> ended up in the West in the Caribbean. Yeah, um, he went there after you know he discovered that part that natives had already been living in for fucking Lord knows how many they was happy, happy shit. But he goes there, and and he basically says, yo. People back home gotta know what the fuck they're doing, and he he gives like the only real detailed account of of how they wiped out the native people, that you know what we would call Indians right. of the Caribbeans, and it's so fucking sad and it's so horrible. But the reason why I fuck with the book you're talking about, People's History of the United States, what somebody just told me to get to, is because they start off the book right there. Oh, talking about talking about the same thing. Christopher Columbus Christopher Columbus. A a, a genocider. Yes, genocider. He literally wiped the people out. Wiped them off the face of that whole entire Caribbean area. You know, the reason why I suggested the book also because listening to your interviews, man, it seems like you're really struggling to understand what the system is. And I think that book gives a very accurate and very clear picture of the system from day one. And it makes it a lot easier to see what's going on. You know, I've spoken about this before, but what you get, like what I've gotten from the book is, you know, what we see right now going on with police brutality, that's not a glitch in the system, dude. That's a feature. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just that a lot of people are becoming aware right now. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, we got to fix this. Sure. But when you see these cops acting the way they are, they're supposed to act like that because nobody's ever checked them in the history of America's sure. existence. For sure. It's the first time they're being checked. For sure. It's crazy, man. And they hate it, by yeah. the way. And I, I get it because it's like, if you've been getting, and by the way, this, these are people. Yes. 
these are normal people. I got I got friends whose family members, whose fathers are police officers, and I know these are great people. You know what I mean? There's good people. But I was having a conversation with somebody, and I, I hear you 100% on that book, and I'm on it. I, I appreciate that advice. But on the, on the issue of cops, while we talking about it, you know, obviously we've been having a conversation, and I want people to know, like, because I got a homeboy that's like, man, fuck these cops. One of these niggas got to know. And I'm trying to let them know, like, yo, those are people. Yes. It's not, they, like, they, they got a job. The system has given them power. You're giving a f- person with flaws and their own biases. Unchecked power. Unchecked power. So that could be a good person. He could be a person with flaws. He just got this level of power. So And power corrupts. And power corrupts. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it has to. I don't know. You gave me a gun and a badge. I might start wild. free and, f- like, Yo, kill somebody. You I'm a, good. We I'm got a new you. nigga. You we give me got you. I'm walking down the street with a gun. I've been getting picked on my whole life. Y'all niggas used to bully me in high school. I remember you, nigga. Yeah, hands against the wall, the motherfucker. Cheer. But my, my point is like, okay, you can have good. Oh, somebody was asking me, like, don't you think there's good cops? Of course. But this is the thing. I think there are good and great people who are cops. Right. But I think the term good cop. It's, it's a conundrum. So, it's an oxymoron. Right. Because the job ain't good. The job ain't good. The machine. The, the machine. They are a part of a machine that's not good. They right. are agents of a machine that are not good. Is there, are there good people in those roles? Absolutely. Right, 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 right. Great people who really thought they were joining to make a difference and make a change. Who but now find themselves currently fucking up people's days and in giving a, them tickets. So in a sense. And, and, you know, and I, I do want to say this, you know, um, I heard you speak before about, you know, being half white and half black. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's it's no lie of what's going on to people of color and in the sense of cops and, you know, how they portray or, or, or the, the situations that have occurred. Mm-hmm. You know, as I, I, you mentioned, like, it's not like if I get pulled over, I could pull out my half white card. Right, 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 right. You know, and I, I found that classic because it was <laughs> like, you know... Uh, you can't prove to them, like, oh, I'm half white. Leave me alone. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, like, sure. like you know, it, it's crazy, too, because, you know, I'm having a son, and, and he's going to be half white and half mm. black. He's got a Nubian queen. Nubian queen. Ooh, and, I feel you, bro. And, 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 I don't blame you. Yeah, I mean, listen. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I say to myself, you know. Biracial Pete. Yeah. yeah no, no, no racist Pete. But I say, I, say, I say to myself, like, yo, that hit home because now he's going to have to go through, depending if he's too dark or too light. You know, does he has to face these issues and, you know, with combat having three boys and, you know, I just, I mean, it's scary. No, I feel you 100%. Trust me. And it's like he's, I mean, you in the picture and his mom's in the picture. So he, the, those identity crisis things probably not going to be there. You know what I mean? Like, and luckily I didn't go through much of that as much as like other people I knew that was half and half. But like somebody asked me that question, like, well, which do you identify? Have you ever identified with being white? And I just had to let them know for sure. Like, nah. Why didn't you go? Why didn't you identify with being white? Because some people go through that. Uh, biracial kids right, right, right. go through that um, crisis. I never felt it. I don't know why. I do think my stepfather, his presence definitely gave me more of a, because I didn't grow up with my father. So the, the his presence gave me more of a connection to like, the the you know to black sense of a black to man. black culture but right, right. but even in that sense I don't know if it was you know because that wasn't my father you know what I mean it was more like I gravitated to my friends and to hip hop and things like that and to I don't know the answer to why I never felt it I never 
You know, I'm not white. You know right, what I mean? It's like right, right. I can't sneak into a white circle and just try to blend in. Like, yo, y'all know my mom. But you'd white. be surprised, you know. So you, no, I've seen it happen. Yeah, but yeah, see, you know, you know how some of y'all light skins get, man. Yeah, <laughs> I no, did. I've seen. Don't let them come after you again. By the way, I can I can exist in all worlds. Of course. I just feel like as a black man in America, you gotta. You we really speak, gotta. You gotta speak know. Speak like three languages. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be multilingual. You man. gotta be multilingual. At least two. You gotta yeah. have your. I'm around my home. You gotta have three. Really. You gotta have. This is how I talk when I'm. Comfortable with my homeboy. Speaking the language. This is how I talk when I'm at a job interview, and this is how I talk when I'm around my mom. Mm. It's like three mm. things, at least for me. You right. know what I mean? It's like three you know what? Levels. I never thought about that, man. About how we talk yeah. when we're around our moms, man. It's a whole different. Oh, you keep it respectful. It's a, yeah, it's respectable. Right. And you know, like mom, I always, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. For sure. You know, I want to, I want to go back to your past. A couple of questions about your past, and then we'll, we'll take a break. Cool. It's a long interview, right? Yeah, it's so long, but it's good. Okay. Um, you went to St. John's. I went to St. John's University, yeah, Queens. When you went to St. John's, man, was it the opportunity to go to college or was it the opportunity to come to New York? It was to come to New York. Right. But I always knew I was going to college. That was like my mom ingrained that in me. She didn't go. My older brother didn't go. Um, nobody in my family had went, but she put it in me from young that I was going to school. Right. So I always knew I was going to school. I just always thought I would go to Carolina. Right. And when I when you know when the time came to apply my senior year, I was like serious about the rap shit. So New York was like So college was a vehicle for your it rap. It was the vehicle, man. Right. For sure. And and after college, man, you, you you talked about how, you know, you kind of lived a hard knock life. Just trying to get your shit oh, together, yeah. man. Those were good times. Having though. like these multiple jobs. You you was an ad salesman, man? Yeah, for fucking <laughs> um for a uh, newspaper, right? For like a local Queens newspaper. But what was that like? What was the? It was the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is a. Uh, and you didn't sell Cole? no ads, right? Hell no. You couldn't sell no sell ads. No, I was on blogs, man. <laughs> Yo, how, I'm looking at rap blogs. How long were you? How long did you have that job, man? Um, I had that shit for a good year. It's, it's maybe like nine months. So right. my, our homeboys got me that job. Basically, what happened was I graduated college, and my mind, I was like. All my friends was going to get their full nine to fives. Right. And I was like, everybody's asking me what I was going to do. I was like, man, I'm about to get signed soon. Like, I'm good. Right. <laughs> my mom was even telling me, like, uh, you know what you're going to do? I'm like, mom, I'm about to get this deal. It's cool. Dog, I was. So two, three months go by. We just partying all summer. I'm not really focused. I'm not grinding because in my mind, I'm like, yo, I already got lights, please. I got, like, these classic I'm songs. A, I'm a rap star. I'm a, like, not that I'm a star, but I know it's coming. I right. had such faith. Right. And then there was one night at a party. I'm drunk. I'm fucked up. And and Eve and my homeboy RJ just came up to me and it was like, it was like a real intervention. And not that I was an alcoholic, but it was like an intervention on some nigga, what are you doing? Right. Like, like, what's up? Like, what what's where's your focus? Like, what are we doing? We just gonna party all the time. Like, you gotta get a job, nigga. You gotta, you gotta like start working. And from that day forward, A, I went and got a little part-time job, eight dollars an hour, and B, I just every day on the beats, five, six, seven beats a day, writing raps focus. every day. Folk, that's when I started. The idea of the of like the warm up, I think, right. somewhere around that time. So yeah, that, uh, you know, I had that job. That was my second worst job. My first worst job was after that. I was a I was a bill collector. He was a bill collector. Yes, yeah, and and you you too. heard all these stories. Everybody had a story. Everybody got. What's a the worst story. story you heard, man? Um, just like you know, a woman that has cancer, or a guy that has cancer, and he's basically telling me like he's he's supposed to die in three weeks. You know what I mean? And I'm. And I'm sitting here calling him about a fucking three hundred dollar Coles bill for a yeah. vacuum. For yeah, exactly. And he's telling me like, man, 
brother, I'm about to like, I'm not even supposed to be here in three weeks. Right. You know what I mean? Like, good, good luck with that three hundred dollars. He wasn't even an asshole about it. Right. Which is crazy. He was like apologetic. Mm. I wanted to be, and I can't, but I wanted to be like. I mean, I told him, you know, as nice as I could, like, sir, I'm a, don't worry about it as much as I could say that, but right. I wanted to be like, yo, fuck, <laughs> fuck us. Fuck this bill, yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> fuck this job. <laughs> this, dude is apo- this dude is apologetic to me. Right. And he's about to die in three weeks. Yeah. And he's telling me, I'm, man, I'm sorry. It's just I'm, I've been really sick. Honestly, to tell you the truth, man, you know, and really heartfelt. I could tell he wasn't like, he wasn't G-ing me. Cause you could tell when people was so getting over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of them what's was what's good the part. best story yeah. you heard, man? The best story. Yeah. Um, like, what's the best G? Like, you you know what? You came up with this one out your ass. You won, B. When they pick up the phone by accident. <laughs> nah. Without screen, without screening the car. Oh ID. no, I can't remember a specific one. But it definitely, you get some gangsters like fuck you, like <laughs> you can kiss my ass, like they know the game, right? You know what I mean? So they don't really give a fuck. Now, when we first met last year, man, you said something that was interesting. You said during that period, man, you was doing, you was reading the blogs and doing the blogs, and you talked about Dallas Penn. Yeah, and 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 how he kind of carried you through some of those dark moments, man. Can, 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 <laughs> I would say carried, but me he too. Entered, like t- tell us about because you know Dallas is a, is, is yeah, a family. Yeah, where he at? I thought he was D- big. Dallas ain't on the show no more. He's being nah. Dallas Penn. What? What the fuck? He's in these streets, man. He's in these streets. He just got married, though. Oh, okay, okay. You know what okay. I'm saying? He's, he's just doing a bunch of shit. So he's not in these streets. No, nah, but he's not. In, but Dallas always gonna be in these streets. All right, cool. Nah, it wasn't. I just had to let him know when I seen him that I remember this shit he did. He was doing a couple things at the time, but. He did some shit called like the Ghetto Big, ghetto big Mac. Ghetto Big Mac, yeah. yeah. With, with internet celebrities. Yeah. He was yeah. like, hello, internets. Yeah. <laughs> internets. I just thought them dudes were so <laughs> funny, man. Like fucking weird and funny. You they know were trying I mean? to get that special sauce from McDonald's. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's it, man. I just had to show them love. I like when I, like you, like, you know, when I see somebody and I, and they wouldn't expect that I'm watching their shit or like listening to their shit, I got to let them know. Like, yeah. yo, I fuck, I remember this thing that you did. Hey, yo, internets. If you've been listening to the Combat Jack show, you know how heavy I fucks with Bevel. It's the best shaving system out here for people with coarse or curly hair, period. I've had people on the show sharing their testimonials. You've heard mine, and you'll keep hearing mine. I spoke with the homie Tristan Walker, CEO of Bevel, and I asked him, my dude, let's take this Bevel thing to the next level for the Combat Jack show fans. How do you feel about offering the first membership month free to our audience? Free. We can make this exclusive. And Tristan looked at me, man, and he said, Get ready for combat. So Tristan and Team Bevel want to bring luxury at respectable prices to us, but this offer right here, straight Numenati. You ready? Check it. First 150 people who go to getbevel.com and use the code FREECOMBAT, F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B-A-T, from today through next Monday, February 2nd, gets the first month of Bevel free. Listen, free 99, people. This is going to go fast. If you're slow as shit, you can still use the code combat for 20% off your first month but this right here first 150 people get bevel.com free combat free 99 stop shaving like a pauper and shave like a fucking king and now back to the show internet you tune into the combat jack show the combat jack show.com we got mr j cole in the building we bike 2014 forest hill drives yes sir you know listen when i when i met you last year man i, I was telling you how much of a fan my son was of yours. Yeah, I remember that. And the first question you asked me is like, well, what about you? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, you, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I fucked with I, you. That's know what, what I'm I said? No, yeah, you, I and, probably was playing though. No, nah, but you caught me. Right, right, right. You right. know what I'm saying? Because at the time, like I appreciated some of the shit that 
you had, but I I was I wasn't really fucking with J. Cole like that. Not that I wasn't fucking sure. with you, but I wasn't fucking with you like For that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Um and you talk about how you had to overcome that hurdle, man. Like like I know what happened too. What happened? I'm man? glad you said that. I figured out what happened like a couple weeks ago. Like in the past couple weeks. And it came from, man, it's going to be a long story or whatever. But it came right, from a conversation right. I had, and it's fitting for this show, a conversation I had with Greg Nice, right? Mm-hmm. Randomly, because it's not like I know this dude. I just happened to be at like one of them old school parties downtown in New York City. And like, you know, nice and smooth performing. Like, Mr. Cheeks was there, who's not old school to me. And like, a, but a bunch, like some old school acts was in there. And it was really just like a party. And I was talking to him. And the first thing he said, I was just like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my homework on just, you know, I've been absorbing Rock Kim albums. I've been listening to like, you know, I've been Kane albums. I've been, I, I like to do my homework when I can and just catch up on history. It's interesting to get that perspective. And I was just letting him know, like, you know, I got to do my homework on them. But, you know, he was giving me gems about the time period, telling me stories about Pac. But the point is, he said this. He was like, yo, you know the difference? And he just, one of the first things he said, like, you know the difference between now and then? He was like, yo, back then? It was a crime if you sounded like somebody else. Mm. It was a crime. And mind you, I'm, you know, I'm 29, like, and I've, I feel like I've had a piece of the 90s. You know what I mean? But so he was like, it was a crime if you sound like somebody else. That was terrible. You, you get played. You get clown if you sound like somebody else. He was like, yo, that's why you had so many flavors and so many styles and so many people. Like, you might have Busta over here, but then you might have like cube over here and then you have because nobody was trying to sound anything like somebody else so when somebody did something that was sewn up and locked and it was like nobody could come close to that and when he said that, i was like oh shit and i just it just stuck with me and that's been with me for like for months now right and the fast forward to the past couple weeks i've been thinking like yo why so much more people fuck with this album and i know it's my best album for hands down but it's almost people like you who last year was like maybe lukewarm like yeah i know Carl, i fuck with he's nice but like I'm like, well, what, how, did they not know? Because I always, I always knew, and I know that I got fans that always knew. I was like, why? Why didn't you know? You know what I mean? Like, what happened with you? And I realized what happened. I spent my whole life, my whole childhood from like 12 up until I got signed and blah, 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 developing my style. And your style starts when you try to sound like somebody else. That's mm. how everybody starts. Right. You try to sound like your favorite people. You hear, when I go back and do my homework now that I hear Rakim, and then I go hear Nas on live at the barbecue. I'm like, oh wow, he was heavily influenced, influenced by Rakim. Yeah. But then time goes on, he he masks that influence more and more as he becomes more Nas. You know, you interject some of this, some of that flake, some of Cool G rap, some of this, and it's like you become Nas. You know what I mean? And and I thought about myself. I was like, oh, so by the time I got to the come up, the warm up which was my first two mixtapes, the one with being classic and being heralded by my fans, I was so locked into who I was stylistically, it didn't sound like nobody. I had been through the phase of trying to sound exactly like Cannabis when I was 14, 15 mm. and Eminem, and then I had been through the phase of trying to sound like Nas, and I had been through the phase of Jay, and all of that shit melted in a pot and made me who I, who I was. So when I dropped Warm Up, when it hit the people's ears, it was... So refreshing because it was so original right. and it wasn't happening at the time. You got a storytelling rapper then who really got balls, who really is hard. And re- Friday Night Lights was a continuation of the warm up. It was also the first time I started experimenting and then 
trying to expand. Like, okay, well, let me try to do something. And that was heralded as a classic too. But it's a perfect balance of like that cold style and then a little bit of me trying some new shit. But it's still classic in the eyes of my fans. My introduction to the people, to you, I believe, because that was when my buzz was crazy. Yo, you ain't heard Cold Friday Night Lights? Boom, boom. My introduction to the people just happened to be, to the mainstream crowd, just happened to be my first album, mm. which was the most reaching I've ever done. And when I listen back now, some songs, 100% me. There's a few songs where I'm like, ah, I hear it. I hear where I was reaching and trying to try a new flavor that I thought would get me to the people's ears easier. Right. Like, still be myself, but let me add a little bit of this. Now when I listen back, I'm like, oh, shit. And I think back to what Greg Nice said. No one would ever do that back in the day. And I look, you can name a rapper right now, and I could tell you a song and where they took it from. Right now, it's like commonplace for people to snatch this flow, right. snatch this style. Right. It's commonplace in this day and age or whatever. And, and it wasn't like that before. So to your point, or, or to my point about when did you go on, this is the first album where I got back to like, there ain't no reaching. Right. It's 100% me. And, and, you know, from my perspective also, I was actually up on you on Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah? But I think it was like the whole proximity between Drake coming out and you coming out. And there was a lot of, a bunch of artists coming out. Nah. And, and to, to me, to I'm, you? I'm saying to me, yeah. and really absorbing all these artists, mm. you know, I don't have that bandwidth. I feel you. You, you. you know what I'm saying? There was a lot, actually. And, I'm and, thinking back. Yeah, think about it. Like, like the, we're talking about, what, 2000 and... Nine, two thousand nine, when when so far gone and the warm up came out, two thousand yes. late, two thousand ten. So the warm up, exactly. The war, I remember when the warm up came out. It was a lot of, it was crowded. It was a lot of shit. It was crowded, but I, don't, I think it was only a couple that cut through right. at that at that year, which was like the warm up and so far gone. So right. far gone was out of here. It was out of here. Stupid. Now, now, did it bother you, man, that 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 you you felt like you weren't getting the accolades that you deserved? Oh, it was killing me. It was killing me on the inside. You know what I mean? But it was like, that was part of my misery that we talked about earlier, right. not appreciating shit. You now, know what I mean? Now, did you feel, though, that you had accomplished, like that you had delivered superior work that would have garnered you the accolades that you wanted? Mm, or you just wanted the accolades? Um, I felt like it's, it's different. I knew my first album wasn't, I knew my first album was a, a couple steps off. Right. I knew what I did. In retrospect, I knew where I fucked up to get it there, and therefore I knew that I didn't accomplish what I wanted to, and that was the cause of my misery, because I wanted my first album to be, in a sense, what Friday Night Lights was on a mainstream level, but I was already worn out by then. I was, right. I was, I was tapped out, you know what I mean, in terms of like, uh, in terms of inspiration, and, and I was stressed and like, you know, so it killed me, because I ain't really had nobody to blame, right. I just didn't know no better. Right, and, and, and then being signed to Rock Nation, I mean, you signed to like Jay signed you. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think this, that's the think the thought process that I went through, but like, how do you follow? I'm not saying that you were in, put in that position, but how do you follow in Jay's footsteps? I, mean, I never thought about that. No, no, but but you could see where people would think. Like, like Jay's such a, you know, yeah. like his history. Like, so what is Jay Cole going to do? See, my mind state wasn't, wasn't even worried about that. My shit was like, how do I, how do I drop that classic? What do I got to do to get there? How do I first of all? How do I put out an album? That was my whole battle. It was never right. like how do I fit. It was like yo, how I get this fucking album out? <laughs> you know what I mean? What the fuck I got to do to put this album out? Because you remember the game was fucked up. Nobody, we didn't know what we know now. Right. 
that you can develop a real fan base, put out an album and not have to go the single route. That was not the day and age where that happened. So I was like, you know, the final guinea pig for that, for that experiment. So my whole battle was like how to put a fucking album out. You know what I'm saying? So you're not about the single life. You you don't you. I mean, in nah, terms been, of like putting I've, the the single. Nah, I've been through it. Right. I'm not a, no, I'm not about it no more. You know, I'm so glad that this album worked because even as a, somebody that consumes records, mm-hmm. I don't like singles. And the reason why I don't like singles is because coming being an old school cat, I love the experience of listening to an album. Me too. I right. hadn't heard anything <laughs> from 2014. So when I put the headphones on, it was just I was just listening to that. For sure. And motherfucker, I listened to the to, to the credit song. <laughs> I listened to the fucking credit song oh, you, and man. enjoyed that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Mama. Thank you, man. You, Mama. Mama. When, when Jay first heard the album, man, what was his reaction? Um, or was he hearing it as it was going through? No, no, no. I only played him. He came through one time in LA and I played him like some shit I had so far. I didn't give him everything, no. I just gave him a few. And he was fucking with it. Right. Cause we had a crazy talk, and then just so happened my album was about everything that we talked about. What was what was the talk, man? The talk was about Hollywood and reality TV and just shit that I'd always be fucking talking about, and complaining about, and like, you know, just just shit like that. And it just so happened that my album hit on those things, but I didn't play him everything. Right. But no, nah, he, he he gave me a, like really nice. Feedback, amazing feedback on the album. I'm gonna stop being like. Was it di- was it. his reaction different from from prior albums? Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, for yeah. sure. Did you know that it was gonna be such a commercial success? No, I had no clue. When you found out that it was a commercial success, what was your reaction? Wow, like I was like, oh shit! Like you know what I mean? Like I, you have to understand to put the album out the way I did. I had to come to grips with myself that it might flop. Right. Mm. Because it was your most honest record. No, because you I knew it. I knew it was my best, but I didn't know if no singles and no promotion would would be a risk. You know what I mean? So I had to tell myself, yo, this album could potentially come out and sell terribly. Are you going to be okay with that? Is, is, is that worth people hearing it, experiencing it at one time? And no, doing those singles. And I was like, yeah. So I had to come to grips with that. So when the number comes out, which was, you know, a blessing, the icing on the cake, I'm just like, wow. Because I had already won in my, the reason why I can make that decision is because I won already right, right. in my mind. I'm like, yo, I came through with this title, with this concept. It was given to me. It, it was, and it came together perfect. And I made the album that I'm, that I'm so excited and ecstatic about to like give to the world. I don't give a fuck if nobody liked it. I'm loving it. You know what I mean? Even if it sold five copies. Five copies. I'm, right. That's how really how we felt. Like, yo, we know we, you know, I got my groove or, you know what I mean? Niggas can't tell me shit right So, now. So what would, your, what would your response been if it was like critically plant, panned and Castle like, yo, this is a this is a Oh, I believe they ain't bugging. Right. They're tripping. Like, they're going to come back a year from now, two and years from now, they'll and write get, they'll articles get it. They'll about get how it. they fucking tripping. That's what I would have said. Right. And yep. if not, then it's all good. Yeah, you know what's so special too. You think about when you think back to your accolades and like how you tried so hard to, you know, be acknowledged for all this shit. You wind up doing this your way, and the accolades—it's just amazing. Like, right? You know, who, who could like you? Basically, are creating your own blueprint, and 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 it worked. And, and it worked. And it worked. 
I tell you, man, I got to thank you for um, Fire Squad. Mm. Listen, history repeats itself, and that's just how it goes. Same way that these rappers always bite each other's flows. Same thing that my nigga Elvis did with rock and roll. Justin Timberlake, Eminem, and then Mac While silly niggas argue over who gon' snatch the cram. Look around, my nigga, white people have snatched the sound. This year, I'll probably go to the awards, dapper damn. Watch Iggy win the Grammy as I try to crack a smile. I'm just playing. But all good jokes contain true shit. Same rope you climb up on and hang you with. But not Jermaine, my aim too sick. I bang, nigga. I came to bring the pain. My brain too quick. You see how I maneuver this game. I ain't stupid. I recognize that life is a dream. And I dream you know, this is This is a, a soapbox that I've been on mm. for a long time about the whitewashing of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. You know, and my father-in-law was a music dude. I speak about it a lot on the show. He was a music dude and um, from the 50s, and he had a Grammy, and he was really successful, really politically-minded dude, and um, Teddy Van. And I remember when Eminem dropped, you know, back in the 90s, and I, we used to argue, because I used to tell him, like, yo, Eminem is phenomenal. Eminem is phenomenal. And he'd be like, nope. Like, no, yo, you're for real. Like, I... I I'm a hip hop dude. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I know Biggie, I know Jay. You know what I'm saying uh-huh. Kane. I come like Eminem is superior. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And he's like, nope. And he wouldn't give me that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so towards the end of his life, he passed away in in, in 09. Sorry, yeah. playing chess, and he was like, you know, coming from the Elvis days, I see that happening with hip hop. I was like, that can't happen. I was like, how can that happen? We've documented the Canes. We've documented the DMXs. We have all these cats on. He's like, there's gonna be a day. When they're gonna proclaim a white dude to be the king of hip hop, I was like, that can't happen. But it it put that awareness in my head. Mm. So I remember a couple of years later, I picked up that Rolling Stone magazine, and I love M. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you can't take anything away from mm-hmm. M. But when they when the system portrayed him as the king of hip hop, I was like, all the shit that my father in law said just hit me. Whew. So now years later, you see. You know, and once again, it's not taking anything away from the Macklemores or the whole nine, but when you see how much accolades they get, it seems like hip-hop is becoming more and more uh, no country for black men. For sure. I feel that 100%. And, but what was frustrating about it, Jay, is I'd be saying this to our people. They'd be like, nah, you know, our people just ain't put out no dope shit. And I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you, bro. <laughs> now, now, did did you get? Have has there been any more blowback from Fire Squad? Mm. We gotta pause that uh, blowback. Is that a pause? Yeah, it's gotta be. <laughs> that's gotta... that's kind of a reach, man. That's a military nah, term. A, I know, but dude. That, nah, nah. Pause the climb, dude. Pause <laughs> the climb. <laughs> <You, laughs> is it a pause? You gotta pause this pause. Nah, nah, yeah, you gotta pause, pause the pause. Pause the like, climb, man. The pause because you reached pretty far. No, nah, no, nah, that wasn't that wasn't reaching. He said, "Have you got any? What'd you say? Drawback? Yeah, let's on not a, play. Let's not get into how we. How did we just get into this whole I'm fucking? I come with that one pause. Cross the fuck, man. No blowback to anybody. All right, no blowback. But but. But was there any more backlash behind that song? Any more? Yeah, I mean, I know some cat like they, they, they like you going at Eminem and, and Macklemore. Never, and, uh, never, never would go at M. Right. I'd never be that silly. I'm a fan. Yeah. What could I say that somebody that I idolize and like you know have nothing but respect for? But what inspired you to do that song? Exactly what you just said. Right. Me being wit- bearing witness to what you just said and and commenting on what I see. Which is exactly that. It's nobody's fault. It's not. It's not even Iggy Azalea's fault. Who? It's not her fault. It's not her fault. It's She's her chasing fault. her dream. Right. You know what I mean? Like 
she's chasing her dream, just like any, it doesn't matter the quality of her music, she's chasing her dream, so it's not her fault. But I have to comment, it's my job to tell you what's on my mind in the slickest way that I can, in the most poetic, lyrical, clever, whatever I can do to paint this picture to you very clearly about how I'm feeling and what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing is that. It's like, you gotta understand, I'm coming from the perspective of someone that's, that, that learned radio over the past five years. I learned what that was about. And do you understand how hard it is for a black artist to get played on pop radio? For a, rap, a rapper, when you look at the charts and you see that Drake, who's the hottest rapper in the game for the past five years and has dropped some of the most phenomenal, phenomenally impactful records such as started from the bottom. When you look at what those records did at pop radio, you're like, oh my God. Like, yo, rap used to run them charts. Now it's like they won't even, they think Drake is dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they think he, <laughs> he think he's not safe to come over there and they won't play it. That record is supposed to be the number one record in the country of everywhere. Of course. It's that, it was that amazing, you know what I mean? But they won't allow it. They blocking it. Why? Because it doesn't register. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't react. Right. It's not reacting with our listeners. Well, who presses that button? Who says that Macklemore is going to react and then J. Cole is not? That that crooked smile can't be played over there. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm seeing it firsthand as somebody that's behind the curtain. In rap. In rap. In for rap. Sure. And not and, and it taught me a lot because it's also ultimately as a grown man now, I'm like, it's cool, man. It's like I've learned that it don't matter. Like I'm blessed enough to be where I'm at and to like have a career that's not dependent on that. But I can't help but notice. What matters is the legacy though. Our legacy. The history, yes, for sure. Because when history's told, Macklemore's in them books. Iggy Azalea's in them books. Eminem's in them books. Uh, Eminem, but he deserves it. Of you know course, what I mean? of and course. Not, and not that these people don't. I'm not trying to say that, but like, come on, man. I use the jazz analogy. Yo, you fucked me up with that shit. I, I went to the fucking iTunes Kenny G jazz page is the today. highest selling jazz artist of all time, and it's not even close. So in 50 years, 100 years... When you go to the iTunes when you go page. To iTunes, or when they talk about jazz, yeah, they're going to talk about the people that know going to talk about his heyday. But there will always be Kenny G and all of his Yo, the spin-offs. entire page is white, Bro, people. Did you go look? Uh, that's what I'm saying. You oh, fucked me man. up. I went to iTunes today. <laughs> iTunes jazz and it was all white artists. That's crazy. Frank Sinatra even. I was like, hold up. Like, it's cool. Like Everybody got the right to be inspired and do the music they, that they put. Ornette Coleman. But you, don't see, you don't see no, Miles Davis. On. You don't see it. But John Coltrane. Ah, mm. oh, man. But, like, let's, let's be clear what we're talking about. This is the system. This is capitalism at and work. And it's white supremacy, too. Oh, for sure. It's white supremacy. Let's call it what it is. Capitalism over white supremacy. I feel like white supremacy is a tool of, a tool of greed. I feel like reading that one book I told you about really put things in perspective for me. When these people came and saw these brown natives, their first words weren't, these fucking brown people disgust me. Fuck, I hate them. It was. Look at the resources. Where's the gold? Right. Who got gold? And that greed of, oh, yo, I see them with a gold earring. You, come over here. Where'd you get this from? Pointing at the earring. Where's this? Snatch a couple of them up. Take me to this. Then they take you to the place where they get the gold from. And then you say, oh, that's what's up. Now you dig this up for me. So the greed turns into slavery. The slavery turns into like hatred and like, I am over you. You know what I mean? But it was always greed first. I, I think. I'm no fucking historian, but this is how it seems to me. That it's like, because I used to think it was the other way. It's the hatred first. It's like, 
the the racism first, the nah, white supremacy it's, it's, first. It's, it's the greed first. I man. think it's the greed first, dog. I'm not a fucking expert historian, but that's how it, when I'm starting to learn as I get older, like man, this shit is this shit is greed. What's what's the loudness war? I heard you speak on that on on another interview, man. Loudness war is um some shit I just learned about when we went to mastering with this album. Basically, mastering is a process that gets your music from like mix from just being a mix that sounds good to being like ready for your speakers. Basically, it could play anything, playing your headphones, it could play on your speakers, it could play on your laptop at a really decent level, and it's gonna cut through a lot louder than just a regular mix would. But what happened was, you can Google this because I'm probably going to fuck up some of the details, but somewhere in the 80s and 90s, they started getting better with mastering technology. And they started pushing the mastering. The, the digital age. The, the, yeah, they started pushing the, the, the loudness that they could take this stuff. Because they used to master the record right there in the studio. Yeah. Like, you know, it was a real simple process. They used to do it the same day. Now it's like, you know, you send that shit off. It's like, basically, the, the equipment got so ill that they can take this shit to crazy levels so you listen to one of these albums pick an album like go listen to a michael jackson remaster go listen to like a beatles remaster and then listen to the original master it's louder it's louder because they can do that they can pull it up so the loudness war is basically like there's a race to just get louder and louder without fucking up the quality as much right. but, but without, you distorting are, it. without distorting it but you are you're fucking up the uh, uh the the sonic dynamics you're fucking up the dynamics of the of the wave or whatever so that's what the loudness was in a nutshell you you know you're not getting the music how how it should be heard because everybody just wants to be fucking loud and you decided when you mastered your album that you wanted it to be yeah i wanted to get out of the loudness war basically because i'm not a club artist man i realize that shit i'm not an artist that's i'm not making my shit for the clubs if you play it in there cool you know, my shit is for your headphones and for your whip. And like, you know, I don't need to compete with the 2 chains record in the club. I don't need to do that. I just need to be in your headphones really nice. So we got back to First Masters, which was mad loud. Right. And my engineer, Mez, told me about the loudness war. And he was, I just had a decision. Like, fuck it. Let's not do it. Let's let's go quiet. Like, let's go more quiet. And it, it kind of almost forces the audience to really Listen. put their head closer to even... If you can think, the headphone is on, but it forces you to put your head even closer mm. to listen. That's real. Yeah. Oh, push those headphones in. Like, what? Push the headphones <laughs> oh, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, don't, don't try to get me back in this. Yo, yeah, I'm going to try to get you back, man. Post this, but I want to touch on something before we move forward. You know, a lot of elder statesmen in, in, in the culture respect you. I mean, um, just from hearing it, seeing it, and then being friends of people that, that'll mention you, you know? It's funny, I was talking um, yesterday with Bun B, and who I know that you have always showed love to. Uh-huh. And it's funny, we were talking about a situation with a, a track that you made called Bun B for President. Oh my who the God. fuck leaked that thing? He said he somebody. He did that shit. Yo, I know he did that he shit. He said, yo, he said uh, he was so taken back that you, I think you produced that track. Hell and yeah. Then, and then you came up with the idea, and it was going to go on his album. I wanted it for his album. And it, but you know, just hearing him talk about like you know, it, it's just even like the elder statesmen have so much respect for you. It, it means something when when those type of people respect. Man, you. that dude is a fucking legend, and I I really wish he'd use that joint. But <laughs> but um, but yeah, I you know what I can't say that I'm a historian like Bumby. Obviously, like I'm from the south, so it's like I came up around UGK with with knowledge and Pimp and, CB for sure. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. 
but like even the the Greg Nices of the, of the world and like people I run into, it's like I have a respect. I want to know. I'm not an avid historian, right? But I want to be. I'm interested. You know what I mean? I would love to learn it all. I got a uh, a DJ, DJ Dummy. He DJs everywhere, every show I do. Dummy is an OG in the game. Like he's seen it all. He's been around, and he was a he came up a fan in the '80s. You know, so he he'll school me on like, yo, what it was like with Kane and Rakim and who was really the nicest and that. I get that perspective when I look back and I, I look at L. Like it's crazy because y'all grew up in it. Yes. Mm. So you remember you could tell me vividly. Shit, like, shit, shit, it's crazy. Yeah. But for me to look back and now try to compare it to where we at now, I'm like, oh, so that's like what they try to put me in Drake. Boom, boom. That's like that. Or oh, that's like, oh, it's so it's fun for me to then apply it to like today's day and age. And then to also go back and listen to these raps because when we was young, we used to laugh at old school rappers. We had no, mm. we had no respect because to us it sounded so old. And it might be like that to you now. It's like you might hear some shit from like the nineties, like shit sound old. We was hearing shit from the eighties, like KRS and and like and whoever, even older, like you know when niggas was and these are the brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, shit. And then yeah. got what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, to us, it was like to us, it's easy to poke fun at. But right. as I get older, I'm like, but yo. Put yourself in the shoes as if you've never heard nothing like this before in it your life. It didn't exist. It didn't exist before. We can laugh now because we got niggas like Young Thug whose flows is so crazy. Right. But imagine when that was the craziest thing you heard. And I got what it take to hear somebody yelling. On. So, yeah. so I appreciate those moments when I get to go back and like and feel that. So I think the elder statesmen feel that from me when I meet them. It's like it's just a it's a respect. It's a I'm in awe. You know what I mean? And right. I want to know what was it like for you. Tell me what was it like. You know what I mean? What was it like when you was coming up? Oh, man, it was glorious back in the day, though, Ooh. man. It was glorious, man. That yeah. cocaine. <laughs> yeah, that cocaine, man. But easy, 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 easy. I'm in love. <laughs> Listen, on Be Free, man, you write, ain't a, ain't a gun that could kill your soul, man. What do you mean? Exactly that. It's a higher, we all connected to something that can never die. You know what I mean? Period. So no matter what type of suffering happens in this existence, no matter what... You know, I was just watching Selma yesterday. It's Good like, movie, man. Oh Great movie. God, it's amazing. It's like, you know, that man didn't die. His physical form ceased here. to right. exist, but he's here. You know what I mean? And like, you know, any of our loved ones that go, they're not dead. And if we, I feel like if we truly understand that, myself included, if we truly understood that this is just a temporary experience of like physical, this is a blessing to be here, but this ain't the end then life would be such a more amazing thing. We wouldn't have fear. There's no fear when you know that this ain't it. Fear is the root of all this shit, of racism, of greed. Greed exists because you think you- Scarcity. There's scarcity. You think there's not enough. So you And the universe greedy. is abundant. It's abundant. Yeah. There's more than enough. There's more than, there'll always be more than enough. So that's, that's where fear comes from. It's all ego. It's all survival. But if you knew, that's what makes us human. That's what makes us spiritual beings is that we can be aware of the other side. That there's an infinity, you know what I mean? Yo, how do you perform that song on on Letterman and not break down, man? Bro, it was hard. Please welcome back Jay Cole, everybody. Right through my smile 
Amazing, amazing performance. Thank man. you, man. Incredible. I was nervous as shit just because I felt the weight of like that moment and I felt like the responsibility I was taking on and I didn't want to fuck that up. I mean, I didn't want to slip on a word. I didn't right. want to. And it's the first time you. I've ever performed it. I'm adding a new verse. I don't want to fuck up the rap. So there's that level of pressure. But then when the cameras started rolling and they did the introduction, something new came that I didn't know would hit me. And that was the emotion. Mm. The nerves were gone and it turned into, oh shit, I'm going to start crying. Right. The minute the, the beat started, the track started playing and I got in the mode. You, you like, felt that I, wave. Oh my God. Even more so than when I performed, when I recorded it. Right. And when I recorded it, I was in it. So it was, it was tough. Were you watching uh, the Aragona video before you went on Letterman? The, yeah, I did. I the, went to just to uh, yep, just see to, it again, just to get back in that in that zone. It's funny because it's like before you mentioned uh, about you know uh, not being known as like somebody who was just, just the voice, the voice. And, and it's funny I had to show my girl. I, you know, I mentioned your name to her. I was like, "Oh, Yo, you see this J Cole on Letterman?" She said, "I, I don't know who J Cole is," and uh, I had showed it to her. And just from her watching that video. She's a fan. And she started to check back to your old work. Wow. So it's funny how, you know, something of importance of the, the world that we live in and what you spoke about mm. has made someone now come 360 around. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Your I, cult. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just saying I appreciate that moment. Like, and I, I really got to shout out Catherine, uh, you know, who, who works for Biz 3, who owns Biz 3, is my publicist, who really fought to get that song. They didn't want, it, they didn't want me to do that song at first. They, they, they vetted? They tried to vet the song? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was supposed to do it, apparently. They they were nervous about that song. And at the last minute, she, like, fought tooth and nail. And at the last minute, they said I could do it. So I got to shout her out for that moment. And you definitely affected the audience, man. I mean, look at Letterman. Remember you were yeah, mentioning yeah, Letterman? Letterman was, like, blown away, he, B. Word. That was crazy. I mean, I'm blessing to be able to do that, man. For real. I don't want to put you in a, in a, a title because I, I think we got to get away from titles, man. But... Were you always so engaged as an activist? Yeah, in my mind right. and in my conversations. In my mind, in my thoughts, in my conversations. Yeah, I was always somebody that looked at the world and, and and even if I didn't know what was going on, I had to voice my opinion about it. Like, why the fuck is it like that? When Flavor of Love came out and this whole reality show wave started, I was a kid at school and college like, yo, why the fuck y'all watching this shit? Yo, y'all know this shit is evil? 
Yo, how you gonna call it reality TV? This shit is clearly scripted, and they portraying us like this. The stereotypes is obvious. Y'all don't see this shit? I'm like, you know, we had a black student union. We used to argue about this shit all the time. Like, so I was always that kid that was looking at shit. Like, why is it like this? Right. Now that I'm getting older, I'm understanding that it's one thing to have that passion, but but I'm trying to arm myself with the knowledge and the perspective. Like you said, that book, like. So I can get a grasp on where, where we really at. You know what I mean? That's what I want. I want that grasp. But like, knowledge is power. I see that. Knowledge is power. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because if you know what you're sitting in, you know, it's better to know what the fuck you're sitting in than to walk around confused all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, so was I always like that in my mind? Yes. You know, I wasn't, I'm not an activist in the sense that I'm like a true organizer and shit, but I always cared. But you made a big impact when you went down the. Ferguson, like cats, are like oh shit, J Cole is down there. Ferguson, like what drove you to go there, man? Um, I read an article. I'm trying to remember what it was. If it was on the Atlantic, it was an amazing article. Tallahassee Coats, probably on reparations. It wasn't on reparations. It was on um, it was on everything that was the same thing that made me write "Be Free," bro. Right. And then I started watching these Vice uh live streams that they were doing. And I just felt like, yo, I gotta be there. You know, they was doing live streams every night in the streets of Ferguson. I just realized like, yo, I can be there right now. I can book a flight, bring my home, I can be there. I can experience this and tell my kids about this. So that's what it was. I gotta ask you a question, man. And and, and, and can you answer this as best as you can? Yeah. And this was a little bit personal because my wife was at this party. Okay. And Cass was celebrating and you was there and, and Puff was there and she said, a little scuffle, and she had to, she started running. Wow! So what happened that night, man? With, with with you and Puff, man? Oh my God, nothing crazy. Take that. Nothing crazy, but it was, you know, Puff is that dude, man. Yes, I got nothing but respect. The for Great the guy. Gatsby. Yeah, it was just like a, a a random thing. Is that my headphones? Or yours? I can hear you. I don't know. Okay, that's my you, headphones. You sound good. Nah, it's a random spur of the moment, random thing. You know what I mean? Nothing crazy at all. Yeah. Was it one of those random things where when you're in an environment, it's like the testosterone starts to clash a little bit? You know what? It was just a quick moment of like of 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 like you know, just a quick disagreement that turned into something, you know right. what I mean? But nothing crazy enough to really be never been a beef, never is a beef, you know what I mean? It was just But it was one of those moments. A moment, like two grown men locking horns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was it that disruptive as as people say cuz you read the press and it sounds like it was like a fight, right? But you can't believe the press. Nah, I know too, that. It was too quick to really be a, considered a fight. Like but, We wouldn't consider that a fight. But my wife said people were moving away yeah. from the situation. <laughs> like She's like, I got the fuck out of there. God, people fuck run. Out. People move for sure. <laughs> people move, definitely move. Glasses with the, with the nunchucks came out. <laughs> Right. I heard the nunchucks came out. Yeah, I pulled a fucking yeah. nunchucks. <laughs> no. All right, all right, all right. Describe your relationship with Kendrick, man, because from the outside looking in, man, it seems like you have this mutual respect for each other. It's kind of like this this distant collaborative relationship, but at the same time, it's like this is hip-hop. It's combative. And oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Describe that, man, because I appreciate that. Nah, you know what it is? I, I met Kendrick at a time when all I had out was the warm-up. Nobody knew who he was. He didn't have a deal. Um, he was signed to Top. I didn't know he was signed to Top. I actually wanted to sign him. I didn't have my business right, even close. I didn't know he was with Top. But in my mind, he was the first person I ever found that I was like, yo, I wanna, I'm going to tell everybody, like, yo, I'm trying to sign this kid. Like, yo, this nigga's nasty. Cause what happened was I was at a party in L.A. 
um, this group called You and I. They not together no Remember more. Remember You and I? They was out of L.A. Cool, cool ass dudes, man. So they invited us out to their little release party. We went, and at the party, they had, you know, they had did a few, uh, a few songs, and they brought this kid up. You know, short ass kid. I'm looking at this short, you know, dark skin. I'm like, yo, who's this kid? Like, and then he gets on the mic and murders. And I'm, you know, I'm a rapper's rapper, and I'm not easily impressed. You know what I mean? And when I when I saw him, I was like, what? When I heard him, I'm instantly like, I'm looking at Eve, like, yo, this nigga's crazy. Like, I gotta, I gotta go let him know that he's that he's ill. So right. I walked up to him like, yo, my nigga, that shit was crazy. What year was this? This was old 2010. Okay. This 2010. Um and uh, I just had to let him know that I was fucking with the shit. He was like, yo, I met you. He was like, I appreciate it. Thank you, my nigga. I fuck with you, but I met you. I was like, when? He had met me at the XXL freshman shoot. Mm. With Jay, I think J-Rock was on that cover. Right. And he was in there with J-Rock. Right. And he was Playing like, the oh, background. Playing the background. He told me, because I was running late that day. Our flight got canceled. So we caught a later flight. And he was like, yo, man, I was asking him to give me your spot. <laughs> but they didn't know who he was. Like, get right, the right. fuck out of here. Right. He was serious. He was serious. Like, yo, if he don't, that nigga don't show up, I'll take his spot. And from there, we, you know, from that night, we clicked. And I told him to send me some records. And he sent me, like, these, these songs he got called. Um, I'll never forget he sent me. Um, they, they weren't out at the time. He sent me Pussy and Patron. Mm. And he sent me uh, Cut You Off to my email. And I was like, yo, this nigga, I'm fucking with this nigga. Like, yo, this is, I want to sign this nigga. But of course, that was, nigga was like, yo, yeah, he fuck with some dude named Top Dog. I'm like, who the fuck is a Top Dog? Yeah, yeah, he need to he sign probably going to fuck up his career. Some hood nigga that got this nigga <laughs> locked up. Like, and obviously, I was wrong. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? But, and, and from there, it was just like, I felt compelled to always give him any jewels I could. Because I knew what I was going through and the right. stresses I was going through. And I was always trying to, Tell him, like, yo, if they try to tell you this, fuck that. You could do it like this. You know what I mean? I always try to provide that and shout him out whenever I could. You know what I mean? And, like, big him up in interviews. Even when I was in the studio with Dre, I had to tell Dre, like, yo, yo, you ain't heard of Kendrick? He's like, oh, yeah, I heard of I'm supposed to be meeting with him soon. I'm, like, giving him the crazy cosign, like, you got to fuck with no, that's Kendrick. Crazy. You know what I mean? Like, that's I crazy. To, and it's crazy because he, we just brought, I was in the studio with him a couple weeks ago just fucking around. And he brought that up. And I ain't know he knew. I ain't even know he knew that. That, he was that like, you was in Dre's ear. Yeah. Right. I ain't even know he ever knew. And he told me um a couple weeks ago, he was like, yeah, my nigga, I appreciate that shit. I was like, yo, how the fuck you knew? And Stat Quo, who, who works with Dre close, yeah. I told him. So that's the relationship. It's like, But then it turned into some shit where this nigga blew the fuck up and hit levels that I hadn't reached. Right. You know what I mean? So and and like, you didn't even see those levels in his cards. Oh, no, I saw them. Okay, you saw them. Absolutely. Right. No, I absolutely saw them. I saw them for sure. You know what I mean? I definitely. But I didn't know that I wouldn't be there. Right. That was the difference. I didn't know that I, I didn't know the nigga go platinum for me. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know that, you know, but but I definitely saw it for him, for sure. I believe, like, believed and believed. And then you hear a song like Control and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. That shit was like, you know what? I heard about it before it came out. Somebody right. called me and gave me the. So the hype was bigger than. Like the hype was already building before you heard it. Um, yeah, I was. I heard about it maybe a week or two before, for sure. It was a moment, man. It was a big moment in hip hop, for sure. What you looking for? You nah, looking nah. I'm, I'm just listening to you, man. I'm just listening to you, man. <laughs> nah, I don't really know what to say about that record. Nah. Like, it's it's 
it was a perfectly well played thing. Right. You know what I mean? And did, did that from for, a, in terms of a chess move? Right. You got to respect. And it's a chess game. It's a chess game. Exactly. It's a chess game. And it's better when it's competitive. I mean, sure. you know, let it be that way. I mean, hip hop is at its finest when it's competitive. You know, Chuck sure. D said, this is Chuck D. Chuck D said back in the day, when you saw Rakim come off stage, you, 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 you didn't have the balls to get on the stage mm. if you couldn't blow it down. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a stage, that, Okay. okay. <laughs> You're talking about a stage, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that pause. No, 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 but no. You, couldn't, you couldn't dare stand on that stage right. if you couldn't blow that stage down. For sure. You know what I mean? And, sure. and, and I think it's great that, that you guys are re, you know, bringing that sense of gentlemanly com- competitiveness back mm. in the game because I could appreciate, like, you know, people want to see. At the end of the day, that's what rap is going to be. Rap is going to be like, who no, it's a competitive sure. it's a sure. competitive sport that that i'm gonna say this that verse did a lot for me in the sense that when i heard it of course me telling you the story of what i just told you and how i've always showed them love and always did that you like, feel a kind of way i let the but this is why i felt the way i didn't even really hear the line right i heard the loudness of the people right ooh, the, the oh ooh. that shit had me feeling like yo what the fuck i had to have a conversation with him you know what I mean? Like what was I, the conversation, man? It was just, I mean, not even to dive into detail. I just had to find out for myself, like, yo, what? You came at me, dog? What's that? Please tell me what is that. I got to know, because I really fuck with you. You know right. what I mean? Like, we not- You know I fuck with you. We not best friends. Like, right. we, we know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know you. Like, I don't know your moms and shit, but like, I really genuinely <laughs> fuck. We got great conversations, and like, I, I, I don't fuck with too many niggas again. I fuck with you. I need to know. Right. What is that? What does that mean? And when I got the answer- and had time to reflect on the answer. It really, and then went back and heard the verse. Like months later, I had to, I had to really check myself. Like, wow. What was the answer? Oh, just exactly what it was. Like, nigga, the last person I thought would even feel away is you. You know what I mean? Like right. this shit. But I had to, I had to be smacked back into reality. Of like, nigga, this is rap. This is competitive. This is fun. This is a sport, nigga. Like, this shit is like basketball. The same way. Exactly. If I eat you up on the court and drop 40 on you, we can still go to the club. You can't feel a way. You can't feel a way. Let me drop 40. You let me drop 40? All right. (laughs) You better give me 50 the next game. Right. And that's what I just had to realize that that, you know, that's all it was. You know, it's it's just, so it it did a lot for me in in, in terms of like coming back into this shit being fun again. You know what I mean? Not worrying about my place. Right. I'm just worrying about this shit being fun. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's really explaining it clearly. No, nah, no, nah, I think I think you did. Listen, let's let's wind this up, man, because you've been very generous with hey, your man, time, man. I can go forever, but um, whatever you, you want to say. You know, I'm I'm doing this interview with you, man, and and, and I'm a, I'm a new, newly converted fan, and I think thank you. You know, one of the things I appreciate about this game is artists that I don't necessarily appreciate for whatever reason, and then they convince me mm. to appreciate them. So I got to thank you for that because uh, because very few very few people have done that. You know, at least to me as a as a as a as a rap fan. Thank you. You know what I mean? But you know, I, like I said, man, I think your album, as much as I appreciate it, man, is so much more for the next generation. Hmm. You know, and and my son is a big fan of yours. He's been telling me about you for years. He's wow. been telling me for years. Oh, you got to get J Cole on the Combat Jack show, my man. You know, and when I like I said, when I listen to your album, I don't only think about the enjoyment that I get out of it. I I. I I can only imagine how it's impacting his life. Mm. So he just turned 18. 
yesterday. He wanted to come to the Happy studio. Happy birthday, man. Thank you, man. Some Aquarius shit. My birthday's next, yeah, next Wednesday. And so, yeah. you know, I, t- I told him to come to the studio. And I was like, you know what? I'll be remiss if I didn't have him as a as somebody that you speak into, mm-hmm. not ask you some questions. Go ahead, I'm all so, ears, bro. So, so Chuma Osei is on the Combat Jack Show. Welcome to the Combat Jack Show. Thank you, man. Um, all right, so I mean, I've been listening to you since 2009, when the warm up came out, and I was like 12 years old. Damn. Like, he like he introduced me to 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 your project, and there I was go. like, Yo, lights, please. That was like that was my song for like the entire year. Like I'm pretty sure I was the only kid in my school who, like who like messed with you. That's at that crazy. Time. And so, like, ever ever since then, like, that project and, like, your next one, like, when I heard your next one, I was, like, you know, I was, of course, still a fan, but I was, like... You talking about Friday Night Lights? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Um, you talking about the album? The album. Exactly. I was, like, I was, like, I was, like, I, was, I saw what you were trying to do, and I understand it was your debut album. Mm-hmm. But, like, no disrespect, I was, like, a little disappointed, you For know? Sure. Because, like, I felt like, I mean, like, your mixtape, like, you were really, like, staying true to yourself, right? And um, with this project, I felt like, you know, with the singles, I mean, I understood, right? I like that you were trying to do what you were trying to do. Like, you're trying to, you know. Nah, you don't got to clean it up like that. I know, I'm just trying to get to the question. You don't got to understand. I'm just trying to build content. I'm just trying to get to the question, Then I heard Friday Night Lights. I was like, damn, Cole, this is what I wanted the album to be. Well, the Friday Night Lights was before the the first album. But I understand what what you're saying. I'm with you 100%. That's what. And so recently I saw you at Governor's Ball last year. And, you know, I felt like the love and I felt like, I felt the love of the crowd. I felt the love and the energy from you, and I wanted to know like how how that energy has uh, has has uh, increased and changed over the years as your fan base has grown and like the yeah. love amongst the people from yeah. the people. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand what was the you. T- I thought you were gonna ask a question about the album. Uh, no, I mean like I'm sorry. Like I mean I'm just saying like you're nervous right now. I'm a little nervous. It's all right. Don't, don't be nervous. Go. Don't be nervous. I mean. Oh, by the way, don't steer away from that question. I want to answer your question, which right. you were, where you were headed with the album. The first album was a disappointment for you. Yeah. You wasn't what you wanted. Yeah. Don't freeze up, man. Don't freeze up. All right, all right. So, and then you know, I heard Born Sinner. You know, that was like I felt like it was really dark. I felt like you were in a dark place, but I, I still mess with it. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like something you know wasn't clicking still. You mm-hmm. know, and I kept listening to Friday Night Lights, and like I was like, this is like, you know, like this is the call that I, I want to hear like on a bigger scale yes and then 2014 forest hills drive like that's when i heard i heard that album and i was like this is you know this is the call that i that i wanted to hear what like clicked at that moment you know what yes. came together for you yes this is that? what it's an amazing question i'm glad you got there that's a it's a long answer but i'll try to get right to the heart of it what happened was release of attachment when you heard those the first album especially but even a little bit on Born Center, which is why it was almost yeah. so close to me. But it's like looking back, I'm like, I know where I fucked up on that too. You know what I mean? Even though I love the album, and it's like people, especially people, love it. But I know what happened on that too. Mm-hmm. The difference between those two albums and this album, as well as the warm up at Friday Night Lights, was especially on this album, there was a release of attachment that we talked about in the beginning of this show. Attachment and expectation of what I want right. and this type of success I want to have and the type of accolades I want and where I want them to put me on the list and why they ain't talking all of that shit that I was worried about or, or, or are they going to put my album out which was the first or, or is it going to sell they say I can't make a single can I make a single all of these worries that were plaguing me on the first album which then turned into damn I didn't get it off how I wanted to let me get it off how I want to on this one which became Born Center. all of that 
trying to do something mm-hmm. went away when I realized, hold the fuck up. It re- really just became being a man yeah. and, and learning some shit as a man myself. But that turned into me just going into making an album for me. Some shit I love, some shit that I want to do, some shit that I want to say, which was just like the warm up, just like Friday Night Lights. That shit was that shit was that plus me being a hungry, starving artist who wanted these things. This was just me being a well-fed artist who just wants to create. Yeah. That was the difference. There was no attachment or expectations of any type of success. I let that shit go. If this shit flop, it's cool. I don't give a fuck. I already achieved some shit that I set out to achieve. You know what I mean? The rest is fucking bonus. I want to do this shit forever, God willing. But if not, I'm not going to go out trying to compete with Drake every fucking album. I ain't going to catch up to that nigga. That nigga's a fucking <laughs> monster. You know what I mean? He's, make, he's doing things that I can't and don't need to do. Why would I ever... He's focused in his he's lane. He's focused on his lane. He And he's mastered it. Why would I ever try to dip into his lane? You know what I mean? I realize these things. Well, I'm trying to keep up with anybody. Jay-Z, Kanye, who the fuck ever. It don't matter. Let me do the best me I can do and let God handle the rest. If let, the people let, love it, then they're going to love it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. I liked it. I loved it. So that's that's the difference that you hear. And I'm so glad you was brave enough to ask that question, you yeah. know what I mean? Because you're not the only one in the world that felt like that. Yeah. By the way, there's people in the world that's like, he's bugging, Born Sinner's a classic, <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I feel you, and I know exactly what you mean, because if you was there from the beginning, and you felt those words in the beginning, you know me. So because you know me, you can hear me. And when you hear me, it's like you know your son, or you know your brother. You know when your brother's in a dark place. Just like you heard Born Sinner, you know, like, I see what he's doing, because yeah. I know him. I see what he's doing, but damn, that ain't why I fell in love with him. I, shit, I, you know... I was going through it, you know yeah. what I mean? And I'm God, grateful to God that on this album, I let all of that shit go. I'm so glad you asked that question. So time for one more? You got a couple more. Um, so a few weeks, a few months ago, I was uh, in uh, my religion and social justice class at school. And um, my teacher told me that like the rate at which a black man dies currently um, by like a male, a white police officer is equivalent to that of um, a black man dying from lynchings back in the day. Mm. And so I wanted to ask you, um, you know, in a time when, you know, hope seems to be non-existent for black men in America, you know, like, what do you have to say to us? Like, do you like, I'm, I'm, I know it's hard to like give an answer because like something's like not working, right? It's, it's messed up right now. But like, what, what do you have to give, to offer us? To keep our heads up. I'm going to say this. That we control our own destiny. We can. We haven't, so, we haven't up to this point. We've been victims. And we've been victimized. We are the effects of a long line of fucked up shit. Of being stolen from our homes. History, being enslaved, whole entire history, religion, culture, erased. Civilization. Civilization erased. And there's a lot of excuses we can make for why we are where we are. And they would all be true. They would all be 100% true. And we could do that for the next 100 years and it would still be true. We sick. Like we are currently sick. You hear that, son? We currently sick. And there's excuses for that and there's reasons that that... That the blame isn't placed on us for that. But we are also in control of our own destiny. So we have the power. 
with with gods, you know what I mean? We're like the first people of this planet. Original we, man. The original man. We gave the world civilization. Culture. Culture, science, music, math. science, reading, mathematics. Swag. Astronomy, swag, a lot of swag. Lot That's of all we're selling right now is swag. <laughs> but back in the days, we was giving a lot more. My point is, we have a lot of power. Just as human beings. It ain't just black people. We all have power. But young black men, young black people, black people in general have the power to control our own destiny. So we can decide today, right now, that we've been through a rough patch as a people. We can decide to no longer be victims and to now put matter, take matters into our own hands and come together and look at each other and love each other and unite and to build communities and to start our own schools and to figure out what we want to teach each other, the history we want to teach, and then, and then group economics, spend our money with each other and like figure out that way. It's like things that we can do, we have the power to do that will really get us strong enough to then come in and unite with the world and then show the world the way. We could be the leaders of the world if we come together. You know what I mean? So there is hope. We just have to acknowledge the fucked up shit that's happened. Keep it moving. And, and keep through. it moving. So it's like, it's almost like somebody came through our crib. No, somebody came to our crib, stole us out of our crib, took us like uh, to a whole nother city, put us in another crib. We got used to living there. What like, city? Cold city. Make it a cold yeah, city. Yeah, it's Fayetteville. Somebody we was in Fayetteville. Somebody snatched us up, took us to Raleigh. Put us in the house. We ain't know what the fuck was going on. But we got used to living here, even though shit was fucked up. We ain't we ain't make the mess. The back house. They coming through every day, fucking up the house, making a mess. And we like, by the time we realize it's a mess, we like, yo, who, yo, we fuck, yo, we dirty. Like, why are we living so dirty? We forgot. It's been so long. We forgot that they fucked up the house. So all we got to do right now is say, yo, we know why we here. We know why this house is dirty or why we here, period. Are we going to sit here and talk about how dirty this bitch is? Or are we going to clean this up? Are we going to, you know what I mean? We could start right. today. It's going to be a long journey to clean this nasty motherfucker it's, up. It's going to be a long today. It's going to be, but but we have the power. <laughs> so I guess I'm rambling at this nah, point. Nah, nah, but, you know, but, the, but the sentiment is, is that we got the power right now to come together and figure this shit out. This is the thing I want to say. I don't got it fucking figured out yet. Maybe next year I have an ill plan, but we talk about shit like this. And I, our, our, our execution ain't great, but our ideas are strong. And we was we got a group chat going. I was like, yo, Black History Month, dog. Gotta respect the past. We gotta know the history. We gotta know where we come from. And not just the American black history, but the Arab. We gotta know that. But yo, what's up with Black Future Month? We really need to start talking about where are we going. And included in that is black history. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you're coming from. But why we don't never talk about that? Mm. What's up with Black Future Month? We got to talk about where we go. Like, what's next? Where are we going to be in five years? Is it going to be right here? Or are we going to start something, start small and implement a system or some type of small system that's achievable, whether it be group economics, whether it be an education, whether it be a big brother program that we can all get involved in? Like we can start right now and talk about the future so that we got these goals. In five years, we want to have, I was watching that same Donahue thing I, I told you yeah, about. Farrakhan. And Farrakhan, this was in the 80s. Farrakhan said that if black people with the black dollar, the amount we spend and generate, we're the 12th largest nation in the world. Just black people in America. And that was in the 80s. I don't know what it's like financially. Like imagine if all of that money stayed in the community. Stayed in the community. And it's like, it's not on some hateful shit. It's just like, yo, we trying to build ourselves up so we can have some self-respect. And then we can come in and really be 
brothers and sisters with the rest of the world, but we can't be brothers and sisters with, with each other right now. You know what I mean? I'm rambling, but shit, that's what I would say. Something like that. All right. Thank you. One more question. You get one more. You're doing pretty good, son. Yeah, it was a good question, man. Right. Um, <laughs> Combat Jack Jr. Nah, Chuma will say. Um, as Burr. a as a as an aspiring uh, um, a musician, also. Um, what you what do you play? You play. I, I produce. Nice. I produce. I just got into NYU uh, for uh, music production. Congratulations! Thank you. That's fucking huge. And so, um, you know, there's it's so accessible. Um, you know, music software and production tools and everything is so accessible for everyone to be a rapper or a producer or a musician or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you, you came here to New York, you, you know, you camped out of uh, Jay-Z's building, um, like office building, giving him a mixtape. Um, but nowadays, like, what advice do you give to the musicians who are trying to cut through, you know, all the BS and all the, all the garbage that's mm-hmm. out that's like so, you know, overpopulated on the, on the internet? I say empower. We're in the day and age of empowering yourself. It wasn't like that when I was camping outside of Jay's office. We still believed that you needed labels. We still believed that you needed Universal and that you needed Sony and that you needed these guys. You know, because that's the way it was. We're in a day and age today where it's like, if the music is real, and even if the music ain't real, you can still do it on your own. And what I would suggest is, especially if the music is real, because I don't like Whatever, because everybody's going to say their music is real and it's yeah. the best. But what I would do if I was upcoming right now, knowing what I would know, knowing what I know, I would start so small with my music and start amongst a circle of friends and do a show a week. That circle of friends, the first week might be 20 people. The next week, that shit might turn to 25. Three weeks later, that shit might be 35. Two months later, that shit might be 70 if you continue the grassroots. Six months later, that shit might be 120. A year later, it might be 300. Two years later, you might have really clicked, and now you're doing 300 people in your city or 500 people in your city. And before you know it, you got a real movement of people that fuck with you. And you're doing the online work at the same time. I'm saying that there's no excuse Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to wait on anybody no more. You can Maybe they'll come while you're building your own shit, and that'll be cool too. But to sit around and like, tweet me all day or like to hit to hit you up and send your demos it's like man you know that shit is backwards now take the shit into your own hands and let somebody find out about you when i was camped outside of jay-z shit that shit ain't work i learned that quick when that nigga didn't take my cd (laughs) and told me to get the fuck on in so many words it, it hurt me for 15 minutes but then i realized it's not gonna happen like this and the next year a year later full circle moment he was calling for me to meet him because my shit ended up in his Lap because the world works like that. Right. You focus on you, focus on what's important, the music and spreading your gospel. And it's like the right people will find you, the people you need will find you. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's what I say. There's no excuse. You do it. Your power's in your hands. Ultimately, what's the goal? Me? Just to be the best at what I do. Just making music, man. That's, that's attainable right now. If that's the goal. You can do that for free. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, I mean, and your goal is your goal. If your goal is to get ultimate number of fans shit come up with a plan man it'll change but stick to that plan you got the power man we in that day and age internet is crazy and word of mouth is crazy internet is crazy B it's crazy yeah Yo, Chumo, say thank, thank you, you, man. Thank you. Pretty, yeah, it was a good question pretty man. impressive Cole man I got one more thing to say to you man yesterday I spoke at his school um, and it was uh, I was called to speak on social justice and hip hop mm. so I went through the whole history of you know, like the the message and mm. the public enemies and the 
you know, a lot of yada, yada, yada. So at the end of the class, the teacher, one, one of the teachers in there, uh, like in his 40s, was like, I remember when music used to move me. I remember when, even as a white cat in, in Denver, when I heard Public Enemy, it moved me. And he, he asked me, he's like, is it possible in 2015 for this generation, for, for a rapper, for a hip hop artist, to move their generation? And, and my answer was, well, judging from 2014, Forest mm. Hills Drives, mm. you know, it, it shows you that that's still possible. For sure. So I just wanted to, 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 to thank you for that that's album once more. That's a major compliment, man. I appreciate it. I'm like, bro, I'm blessed, you know what I mean, to like be here right now and like to, to get the love that I get in the streets is like, and if it wasn't there, I'd be a happy man, but that right. shit is icing on the cake. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's 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 an honor to be in the seat. Now, thank you so much, man. Right Anything up. else, man, before we, I don't know, he's before we wrap up, Pete? No, no, I mean, I'm going to add to it because, um, you know, first of all, I, I definitely commend you. You're a stand-up dude, but most of all, what I really like about you is you're uplifting. You know, and you talk about good people in hip-hop, man, your name's got to be right in the top of that. You know, even to the point like that, I made my daughter, who's a fan, 14 years old, who is in the studio tonight, you know, Skylar, and uh, she better wake up tomorrow morning for school. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to whoop that ass. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's funny because I asked her, like, we said we had J. Cole on. She said, you know, I know she she likes J. Cole. I said, why do you like J. Cole? And she told me, you know, I like him because he ain't talking what every other rapper is talking about. How old is she? 14. Damn. That's so, crazy. so you know, it's, it's special to see that, you know, like I'm sitting here saying like, you're uplifting, you know, your movement is beautiful. I mean, Dreamville, I mean, these fucking people are nice people. Mm. You know what I mean? Your whole crew, your whole team is nice people. What up, Felton? No, that's real. You know what Thank I mean? You, so it's like, you know, man, you know, as a whole, we all wish you nothing but success. But real talk, man, you know, good dudes need to be appreciated, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and piggybacking off what you're saying and what you're saying, you asked me if there's anything I want to say. And it kind of goes back to your thing, too. So it's tying all of these together. Intention is so important. Intention. When you're making your music, when you're writing, what is your intention? So we talked earlier about them albums that maybe you didn't feel, or like the times when I really was What was my intention? I remember writing raps before I ever had a deal, thinking, yo, one day this is going to save somebody's life. Like this verse right here, I'm going to talk to a girl who's going through this right now and it's going to save. That was the intention of the verse and of the song. Or this song right here is going to help somebody get out of this situation right here or even on this album. So I'm, I'm, I think intention is a very important word. It's like, what are you doing it for ultimately? What's more important? Is it the money? Is it the fame? Is it the accolades? Is it the comfort? Is it the impact? You know what I mean? And I would I would die happier, broke and impactful than rich and like uninspiring. Don't go broke though. Nah, don't, that's don't not the plan. Okay. But 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 I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Intention, man. But that's that's it. J. Cole, thank you very much, man. My man, thank y'all, man. This is fucking dope. How long was this shit? Eight hours? Yo, Jonathan Manor, how long, man? Under two hours? Oh, okay. Two? It seems longer. Right? He said two hours. We got we, we got a sign the, right there, got, two hours. What's the longest joint? The uh, longest joint Chuck was D. Chuck D. People listen to the whole shit? The yeah. whole shit, no. If you listening Ask right now, holy shit, man. We fuck with you, man. We can't fucking believe you made it all the way to the end of this shit. Felton told us he listened to the Chuck D episode four times. That's the episode oh, yeah. was three, three hours and, hour, and three and a half hours. Three hours and 45, 45 minutes. 45 minutes? That's correct. That's a I long gotta listen to that. I yeah, gotta listen to that. That's crazy. But thank you so much, man. Big shout out to Felton. Big shout out to Felton and your whole team. Ibrahim. I mean, By the way, Felton did. Uh, they, I seen some online where they fucked up what he did. He did the cover, man, for for 
Forest Hills Drive, and he also did the Friday Night Lights. He did the whole packaging for Forest Hills Drive and also Friday Night Lights. So I want to give my man his credit because they thought he, they think he need doing some web shit. Now nah, he did the album design, and that nigga, two classics under his belt. He fucking designed. That yeah, ain't yeah. Pop your collar, my that dude. Ain't yeah. to sneeze at, Pop man. your collar, my dude. Shit. That ain't Yo, to Pete, at. what do you think, man? Man, listen, this is gonna be another great episode. Like, like I said just a, a moment ago, J. Cole, man, it's good to see good people win, man. You're talented and you're uplifting the kids. I mean, this is amazing. Like, come back out like some fucking counseling family session going <laughs> on. But real talk, Lord, man. Blessings. You, and, uh, you know, just keep doing what you do, man. Thank you, brother. Internets, you know what it is. Dream those dreams and man up and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Blow. Cheer. J. Cole. Numenati! This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan, and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.